0: This week on the True Geordie Podcast, we have a man who is described as one of the baddest men in the country. A hitman with his own firm and connections to some of the most notorious killers this country has ever seen. It's Bobby Cummins. At one time, one of the most dangerous men in the country, who's been known to associate with people such as the Crazes and uh, do some pretty bad things, me, but sitting looking at you now, you come across as a nice guy. Sort I'm, of, a, I'm a nice guy. You no, know, it's nice one guy. of those things. It's quite strange. But um, after reading up on your life and deciding to get you on the podcast, I realised that people would love to hear your story because we hear a lot about the era that you come from. Yeah. We've all seen the Cray movies and the documentaries about people yeah. like that and you were associated with them. And uh, it's romanticised. And I think it would be good for you to sort of... Tell your story about what it was really like back in those days. You know? Well,
1: Brian, what you've got to look at is people that are glorifying it yeah. weren't even born when we were doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's all hearsay and make-believe and fantasy. Uh-huh. The reality is a different ballgame to what that life is. Uh-huh. You know, we had rules. Like, if there was a contract on you, I couldn't shoot you in front of your wife and kids because I wouldn't want that done on me. Uh-huh. So if you did that, then you got punished. So, and, and it was about you know people say the underworld and all that I think it's somewhere on the Piccadilly line between Islington and Kings Cross you know it was firms there was different firms which specialised in different things and it was just business I mean someone called me a gangster once you know and I didn't like that because I stuck a gun in his mouth and educated him but I wasn't one of them and uh,
0: that's a noble way to give an education mate well,
1: it, it, solve the problem you know first you educate them if you can't educate them you intimidate them mm-hmm. and if they still don't learn all of that and try and shoot you which they did on me then you've got to eliminate them either way you do it so, you know
0: to, oh, it's been interesting to see how you view things today because like where we are i mean there's murders left right and center around where we're even yeah. doing this podcast from right now and it seems like people are just running wild and it seems like back in the day you call it the firm. It was organised. It was, was organised crime in the truest sense of the word. Well, and guns
1: it? are too easily available now. You can get a replica, change the block, and you've got, you've got a gun. So to get a gun in them days, you had to be well-connected and people had to well-know you. Because what we didn't want was a lunatic running back shooting people, innocent people, because then the old bill come in. I mean, they didn't mind if we shot each other. I mean, it was one less to look for. But if you started hurting innocent people, two, three people you couldn't do... You couldn't do an innocent member of the public. You couldn't do the media, right? And you couldn't do Old Bill because it would close everyone's business up because they would come on the manor, flood the manor with Old Bill and no one would earn any money. Mm-hmm. And this is what I tried to explain to people. I weren't a gangster. never had been a gangster. I was a businessman whose business was crime. And, you know, to me, I didn't know what straight has done. I weren't interested in what they'd done. You know, they lived their life. They were just part of a crowd in Oxford Street. I lived in amongst my own people. And... It was that culture. You knew the rules, so if you was going to do villainy, and you subscribed to that that world, and you knew what was going to happen if you rolled over and was a rat or, or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like, can you tell us how you ended up getting? into that world in the first place
1: yeah first off I mean my family were all straight goers no, I read that about
0: you that's what surprised me because I, I kind of thought your dad would have been in that way no, no, or whatever No,
1: there weren't No, vill- I was the one who corrupted them all you know yeah <laughs> yeah because they'd never seen money like that you know they, they was all working they were bricklayers they were, well we were quite wealthy then not they got made bankrupt and that's why I didn't mind doing banks because I thought you took it off of us, I'm taking it back. You know, it was sort of balancing up the scales a little bit, and um, and I liked doing it. So it was a thing. But what really happened? I started. I worked in a shipping office, and that was you know. How old were you when something? I was fifteen because right. well, I left school early. You know, and. Uh, I went in the shipping office, I quite liked it. I worked on Tower Hill, you know, so I used to wow. sit there, had me lunch with all the other young kids who had left school early because i come from a poor family, you know, a Irish family of eight kids. Yeah. So four boys, four girls. So we bought up hard. If you want anything in life, you've got to go out and graft for it. So we were workers, basically. All my family were workers. And I was walking through Finsbury Park one day and there was a couple of kids I knew from my old school and they was messing about and someone fired a, a, a starting pistol and his two old Bill in uniform from Stoke Newington went over, was pulling them and getting a bit heavy with them. So me being leery, well, I've always been leery, I went, up, I went, you can't do that without a responsible adult being here. And he went, what, are you a lawyer? You seem to know it all. And I went, I know me rights. He went, all right, fair enough. They walked out of Finsbury Park, come back with a cutthroat razor, threw it on the ground and went, we just see you throw that and nick me. Mm-hmm. Right now, remember, I've got no form. I'm a straight goer then. My old man comes down to the law shop and, you know, my mum's broken down in tears. It's a straight-going family. You know, I don't want to hurt my mum and dad. We were very close, and still are, a close-knit family.
0: You know, when you first, started to interrupt you, mate, you know, when you first sort of thought to say this to this police officer, was there something in, because a lot of people just wouldn't have said a thing, you know. Were you taught your rights by, you know, your dad or someone? Where did you pick that up? I, I,
1: well, my godfather was an illegal bookbaker in the old days. So he used to tell me with the law, you know, if they pull you, you say this, you know, because he was a crook. Oh, right? right? And um, so I grew up in Kings Cross area. It was, you know, not exactly, you know, it's full of prostitutes and drug, day, all sorts of things. It's, going d- it's on different there. now, though, isn't it? Because Kings Cross has been completely oh, gentrified. Yeah, but you look at Islington now. Yeah. I mean, it was a sort of half a slum area, uh-huh. but now you've got to earn a million pound to go and live in Chapel Street, round that area. You know, live. At, live it used to Street. be quite different, though. So, what, oh, yeah. it, what
2: did it used to be like? Because I think a lot of people, I, when I first came to London, it mm. wasn't like that. It was sort of. The total to in it, sort yeah.
1: Of it. Well, when we was kids, you know, we used to go down Kings Cross because that right, by the nose round the the carriages, see whatever we could nick, because everyone was a thief, or, or they was had a fiddle going. So we'd all have a little bit of bent gear or something like that. And uh, I mean, even as a kid, uh, we, had, we used to go and click newspapers on a trolley, an old pool cart trolley, and we sent to fish and chip shop, and that's where the guy didn't pay us. And I picked up a dead cat from the, from the building site. I meant to throw it at him, and it hit the camera and went into his fryer. And he freaked out. He <laughs> <laughs> close his shop down, and uh, he went to see my dad. But my dad also used to do bare knuckle fighting on a Sunday. He was a bit handy with his hands. I love that, on
0: a Sunday. On a Sunday. Yeah.
1: And that, w- when they bashed each other up, we'd sit outside the pub door and they'd give us our crisps and our lemonade. And we used to like it when they got pissed, because when they got pissed, they'd come out and throw the pennies in the air. And if they was really pissed sometimes, there'd be like two bob in there or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we'd have a right load up and we'd go pictures, Saturday morning pictures and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so I grew up in an area where really crime weren't seen as crime. It was survival. And everyone helped each other. And it, in that area, everyone left their door open because we had one thing in common. We was all skint. So no-one's going to rub off each other. And if you, you could go in anyone's house, sit down at the table, and they'd have a meal. And it was the right... There was no racism or nothing like that. It was all cosmopolitan people, you know. You had the Italians there, Maltese there, you know, black people there. There was no none of that because we was all skint. So we all looked after each other. And we all went to school together and we grew up. And... Um, it was a nice, you know, we could play out on the street and there was none of this worrying about your kids out on the street. Yeah. So it was that sort of area, you know, and people cared about each other, you know, and the old girls, if your mum cooked a dinner, if there was an old lady on her own whose husband had died saying, so there was nothing to think of, of taking her a dinner in or inviting her in. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was more a, of a community yeah, than Yeah, 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 you got so, it, Brian.
0: You got it. So you're in the cop shop now and they've got uh, you on a razor charge yeah. or whatever.
1: And uh, my old man's walked in. And uh, remember, he just took straight go of my dad, right? right? Yeah. He walked in, he went, what's all this about? I went, it's a fit-up. He went, he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're 50th. I said, they fitted me up. He went, policemen don't do that. I went, I'm telling you, they fitted me up. He went, look, your mother's broken hearted. He went, they said to me, if you plead guilty, it's a ten bob fine. If you plead not guilty, you're going to a He said, and if that happens, it break your mother's heart. He said, just go in yeah. there take the 10-bob fine, go hands up to it, take the 10-bob fine, I'll pay it, he said, and we walk away from
0: so, it. So just to put it in perspective, Borstal was like youth offenders prison. Yes, that's and right. And my dad went there. Yeah, and <laughs> it was, they, were, they were hard places he, 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 um, So my dad actually is, I don't know how much I can say, but like mm. he's basically, the place he went yeah. is being exposed for like just basically abusing kids. It was, like,
1: it was a brutal
0: environment. Very brutal. Right? Yeah.
1: And, and they got away with it you yeah. know and they got away with a lot when I was in Parklands, mm. and all but we can go into that as we go so on. So you didn't want to go there? So I didn't want to go there but well, to tell you the truth I didn't give a monkeys because a lot of my pals was in there mm. so if I'm going there all it is is like coming off the street and going in with a load of my mates I went to school because right. they was all at it and doing terrible things but I wasn't and uh, then like my mum was upset, and he he pushed me into it. I'd just go hands up, so I went all right. Just to you know, so it didn't affect the family. <clears throat> but then I've gone back to work, and they've read it in the local paper, and I got fired because you couldn't have a criminal work, record working in a shipping office because of the invoices and all that. Right? And uh, it's I'd, mad
0: that like, your, your boss is yeah, <laughs> yeah, not
1: fair. yeah, and. Um, they went, sorry, Bobby. And I got on well with them, you know. They were nice people. They were straight guys, but they were nice people. And I went home, and I said to me, dead. thanks a lot. You know, lost the job. And he went, I'll oh, come and work me on a building site. Well, I mean, I'm five foot six more fat than a greasy chip, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be a good odd carrier, you know what I mean? So I went, no, 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 I'll make my own way. And I'd already been dabbling when I was a kid. I knew how to earn a power note. I've always been out to a power note. And uh, I got mixed in with the boys. It was in the same boat as me, he had a criminal record. And he was doing crazy stuff, you know, really silly stuff like putting bricks through windows and terrorising people but, in but
0: up until this point you'd never done that. So was there a part of you that was like, Well, I've done I've got a record now, so who cares? That's
1: good I might as well What went through my eyebrow and I thought, if you're gonna fit me up and make me bad, I'll show you how bad I can really be. And I mean that the I was watching the boys and there was gangs then. You know, different firms from the Archway, Ivory, and all that. We used to meet in a little Greek café and have our cups of tea, a bit of toast, you know, whatever we could afford. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching how it's going down, and I thought, you ain't got a clue, you know, you're not organised. And I was very good at organising things, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I said, well, what are we going to do? I said, all right, they said, are you going to come in with us? I said, yeah, I'll come in with you. I said, but we do it my way. And they went, what? Well, I went, we do it my way. And I went, first thing we've got to do is get it structured. We've got to organise, you know? And we've got to take over these other firms. You can't have too many firms, not enough money in it for all of us. We've got to have it, you know? And I was a bit ruthless that way. And uh, it was funny because people, when they mention my name years later, they all think I'm six foot six and built like him. (laughs) No, they had the shock of their life when they see this little bald-headed guy with plastic teeth sitting there and talking (laughs) to him. Anyway, I said, no. I said, what we need is proper weapons because we started having the gang warfares who was going out with bayonets and hatchets and stuff like that, and I thought, sod down, like rolling on the floor and ruining my clothes, you know, and when you was cutting them, you was getting blood on your clothes, so your clothes was messed up, you know, really fucked up. And I thought, no, it costs a lot of money. It's easier to shoot them, right? So at the age of 16, I got, Practical. I got myself a, a sawn off, and it was a 410 double barrel, and... Um, How, so how'd you go about getting a sawn off at the age of... The well, I knew, I knew people that were bang at it, older ones than me. right. And they'd seen me doing a lot of bad violence, so they knew you know, I could handle a thing. And I said to one guy, I went, I need a gun. And he went, well, I went, I need a gun. I went, i pay you for it. He went, well, what sort of gun? I went, a saw and a shotgun, but I want a 410. Double barrel, side by side, not over and under, side by side. Naturally. And he went, well, what are you going to do? I said, I earn lots of money. And he went, I'll get you by tonight. So I'll give him the money. Got, I went and a box of cartridges because you know you had to you weren't no good having a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he got me the box of cartridges, and there was a little bit of gang warfare going on. And I walked up the archway, they sent a message there, and they were going to cut me up and feed me to the cats. Who was there? A little firm up the archway, right? Okay, how old are these firm um, people? Are they similar to your age? Six, yeah, 16, we were 16, 17.
2: You know, Were you playing adults at this time, or are you? Would you say you're different to a modern day teenager who you look at in the
1: street? There's no difference. The, the only difference now is drugs have, you know, screwed up the discipline bit, if you like, and also, you know, the how can I put it? The lack of they talk about respect, and I have to tell them when I go into schools and colleges, respect is when you respect someone else and they're pleased to see you. Mm-hmm. Respect ain't about you walk in a pub and someone's crapping their self and they're terrified so they're being nice to you. Yeah. You, you know, know, there's a difference. So if you want respect, you've got to earn it. Mm-hmm. The only way you earn it is by treating ordinary people with respect. we feelings, we all know each other, we know what we're capable of. And we know what each other's speciality is. So if I wanted a bent car, I know it was Ringy motors. If I wanted a dodgy passport, I know it was in the printing game. And the, So you all had your little specialist fields. And sometimes we'd interlock. And we say, Well, we need this off of you and they go, Well look, we've got a problem, we need you to do this for us. What was your field? <laughs> um well violence really. Right. That that's what Getting we did. People. Yeah, And that's, that's what you were known for. When well, we was known for, you know, armed robbery and all that, but um you know, we was I was very good at negotiations. Mm-hmm. You know, we could always make people see our way of thinking, that we was very you two have a lot in
0: common he made uh, made them an offer they couldn't refuse you got it, you got it,
1: you know when we used to deal with them I used to sit there and uh, it's in my book I'm Not A Gangster, and Mm. we we used to sit there and I used to say to them look no cards under the table when you deal with us all the cards on the table, and I've put a pound coin on the table, well in them days it was a pound note, a pound note on the table and a bullet, and I say if you work together with us and play it straight we all learn lots of those I find out you're dipping the till you're fucking us about you'll get one of those mm. or there's a third option you can get up and walk away now and we never met so you choose what you want but no if you do it the wrong way one of them's going in the back of your nut yeah so we, it was that sort of thing people understood each other you know we weren't we're well, not fucking around at that no, point. no no so and all, also i'd let the guns off so they knew that, hold up, he doesn't mind pulling the trigger. And then I got older people who thought, hold up, I mean, he's a little bit, because I'm a young kid, remember? You know, I'm 16, I'm firing guns about the place, and they went, hold up, we need to educate him, get him in, and you know, in case he does ain't crazy and fucks up all our business. So um, the older ones come to me and went, you know, do you want to go on a bit of work? Maybe they've seen a bit of promise in you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, what it was, that was very slippery. I was taking a risk, and they were taking, you know, oh, we'll do this, Bobby, you know, go around, see this, geez, we took a liberty. And I don't sound a lot now, but in them days, 500 quid was a lot. I do the average man was only 6, 12 quid a week. And, like, if you collect it, we'll give you 10%. It's
0: classic Tony Montana and Scarface, isn't yeah. it? Like, you get the, the, the little bull to do all yeah. your work for you. And,
1: and we were used. I mean, basically, we was abused. We was, we was taught violence, terrible violence, and they used that to earn money. And I sat down one day and I thought, hold that a minute, I'm doing all this. And you're driving about in a nice car. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I don't need you. Yeah. I can do it on my own. It's like me and you would slash football. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what I'd done, I was working it out and I went, no, we would do it our own. So that's when I got my own little firm and put them together. Mm. And I went, this is what we're going to do. Because now I know how it works. They've educated me. So now I know how it you works. You use them oh yeah I, they, I, they thought they were using you, you got but it. you were using them I was them. spinning because I didn't know how it worked so I would I how it worked you know mm-hmm. and once I knew how it worked so I knew I didn't need them mm-hmm. and if they come up against me I know I'd shoot them so I, I was on a winner anyway they f- had everything to lose yeah. so, so I had let, nothing
2: let's skip back to where we were I yeah. feel like we've, we fast forward a little bit okay you got this gun yeah
1: what's the next the thing? next thing was um, like we did a few armed robberies you know and I was nicked.
2: where are you robbing sorry
1: because I know that there are well, we try to do really balls up we try to do a post office van someone told me it was full of money and uh, what it was they'd already delivered the money so I've stuck up an empty van like, no I'll tell you the truth. Uh-huh. stuck up an empty van mugged myself right off so I've gone in there and I got I went to they give me a detention centre at the age of 16 for carrying a possession of someone of shotgun an armed robbery so I went to a senior detention centre where they totally beat the crap out. Brutalised, you took terrible... Now it'd be abuse, right? So they took you there and they beat you up. And I come out a bigger fuck, because I'm fit now. I'm down the gym, I'm working out.
0: Yeah, they used to make you train yeah. in that Boston 25, place there.
1: 25 laps around a football pitch and all that nonsense. they are really been good. The, the, yeah, they they beat cut. you as well, from uh,
0: what I've been told. My dad said, uh, if you are the last guy... Or whatever, mm. it, they'd beat the crap out of the last guy. And if
1: they had someone who couldn't make it around the football pitch, you'd have to carry him. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. do all that crap. You know, it was all from this army mentality. Very militant. Yeah, yeah. Was that, that something
2: you. Re- because what struck me was that actually you had quite a sharp sense of justice yourself to stop those policemen. Yeah. And you resented the fact that you had to do it. So I then re- when you I, go there.
1: I resent anyone who's in authority, who uses that authority to abuse others. Right. Even today, right? That's why I avoid judges and all that sort of thing and government. But in them days i thought that ain't right and i thought if i could get you out of here on my own i'd smash you to pieces Mm -hmm. with a baseball bat you know (laughs) but they was in there gangs of them and they'd pick on a young weak kid and take liberties you know really take liberties and they wouldn't do it if they was outside with you so that enraged me even more i thought you pick your people because i hate bullies you pick your people who you're going to terrorize yeah but that taught me that as well that violence had a voice I thought, so that's how the government control people. If you do what we, you know, we, they'll want you to do, we can put you in a nasty prison where people are going to take liberties mm-hmm. with you. And um, so when I come out of there, because I didn't drink, I didn't smoke in them days, I used to drink a bit of lemon. And um, my dad went, well, you know, what are you going to do now? But by this time, I'm angry now because I've seen all what's gone on, you know. And I thought, I said, I'm going to put it back on them. He went, what? I went, I'm going to put it back on him. He went, what do you mean by that? I went, I'm going to run my own business and be a successful man. I'd never told him what I had in mind because he got paranoid over the gun. He went, we're not having done of that. I went, no, 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 it's sweet. So I got the firm together when we got out and I went, Now we do it properly. And we did it properly. And, and I looked at him, my dad didn't realise he'd give me a clue one day. He said to me, do you know old George over the road who runs the restaurant? I said, yeah, he said, them little sods around the corner, he said, keep putting bricks for his window. His insurance is going through the roof. He said, you know, he's going to be out of business. Now, by this time, I'm, extortion. I'm coming up 17 or 18. And I went, is that right? I said, how's it work, Dad? Because I love people educating me. I don't know. So all the education I've got has been off other people, right? Later on in life, I've read books and done degrees and all that sort of thing. I was sitting there and, like, scheming. I was always a schemer. And I went, so how many times the bricks have to go through the window before the insurance goes out? You went, well three times and his insurance went out, I thought, lovely. So what I did, I went out, met the firm, I went, I got a nice little learner and you had all the Indian restaurants just open up and the Chinese and all that. All is this in, East
2: London? This is
1: all in Holloway Road, it's right. North, North London and I had a bit of a bad rep then because people knew who I was and there was a firm. And so I got the kids. I went, "Here, do you want to?" And say, said, "We've got the quid." And I went, "Yeah, but what we?" I said, well, "What I want you to do? See them restaurants? Go and throw bricks through their windows?" I said, "And a bit on your toes." So when they'd done it the second time, I let them do it twice. When they'd done it the second time, I walked in. I went, "It's terrible. What's happening to you?" I said, we can stop we this. We can protect you. We can stop dishapping it. I said, you know, you're going to lose your insurance, but we can give you good insurance that it don't come through when you're in the first place because mm. you've got people sitting here because I was always reasonable with them. I said, you've got people sitting there. How would you feel if you're sitting there having your Chinese take one a, brick, a brickage in the head? I went, you can, it's bad for business, bad for your reputation. So they went, well, how can you stop it? I said, well, you know, put a little bit extra on the bill. When we come in, we eat free, right? And you give us a little, you know, kickback and we make sure it don't happen. And it started working like a treat. And then it happened, there was kids that was going to our our tailors, and he used to do it on the never-never, like they could pay off each week, but once they got the suit, they was on their toes. Mm -hmm. So he had a big load of debts, and he told my dad, you know, he said, you know, Murray. And uh, my dad told me, I went, really? So I went up there, I went, I'll tell you what, I don't want no money off you, Murray. Just give me a list of all your debts, where everyone's had your over and who they are, with their addresses. I said, and whatever I collect, I said, I'll take 25% off. But you make my suits one every three weeks, uh, one every three months for nothing. Deal done. So we've done that. Then his mate who had the shoe shop, done the same. And the business built, oh, We was earning more money for nothing, you know. And we used to go around and bash people up if they took liberties with them. So people see we was actually working for our money. We weren't just promising them. We was actually doing the business. And it was a business. And I saw nothing wrong in that because I'm only dealing with rats who taking liberties with people. I'm not hurting innocent people, you know. And they knew what they were doing. So that started up a good business. And then it got really heavy. And we had the triads.
2: Well, okay, that but that's a that's a whole other level of serious yeah, because yeah, really yeah. You're, what you're doing is sort of a monetized neighborhood watch. Yeah, yeah. And then oh. We'll oh, I like that. I
1: like that. Yeah, yeah. A
0: monetized yeah. neighborhood
2: watch. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love that. That's a good expression. If anyone
2: yeah. can make a T-shirt just says monetized neighborhood watch, I feel yeah. like we can, we can yeah. make that. Yeah. I a lot of gangster. and, and yeah. a monetized neighborhood watch. And, and
1: also, what's what's really good about it? People are happy to see you. Yeah. Mm. You know, because like if there was liberties taken, like there was in the fish and chip shop. <clears laughs> I took that very personal because first off, we had to deal with the triads. I mean, I never got He made me laugh when I got because he was expecting someone like East Sides, right? Mm-hmm. So he sent this message down, this Chinaman, and he said, I want to see Bobby Cummings. And so Frank came in to me, he went, I've Got a Chinaman wants to see you. He said, They look like an heavy little firm. Well, I know they're from they're Chinatown, Strasbourg Avenue, that little mob. We've never dealt with them. So, that, Did you know anything about them at that point? I'd heard about them because when I got done for the murder, well, the manslaughter, yeah. right, I went to prison. So I met the triads in there who was dumped with a load of in and that with a tongue in there and all. And then you had um, the mafia in there that was dumped for a 15 million pound bond swindle. And so we all let together and prison is the best place for networking. <laughs> it's like, that was the social
0: media for Europe back in the day. Yeah.
1: So what you're looking at, where, and this used to make me laugh about London gangs. And Charlie Richardson told me, he said, you know where they're all going wrong? I went, I'll tell you where they're going wrong. This, this was when we was banged up because he was my best friend, Charlie. He was the one who got me out of crime. Charlie,
0: actually. for those who don't know, was notorious. Yeah. Well,
1: they called him uh, gang boss of the torture gang in South London. Mm-hmm. He was my best friend. I read the eulogy at his funeral. And um, he was really a beautiful man, very educated, where the twins weren't. Twins were thick, right?
0: But That's basically the way it's been described to me before. Yeah. Charlie was the, the brain, wasn't he? Was, um,
1: he was doing long firms and all that before anyone knew about mm-hmm. it. I mean, they even copied it and took it to America. So anyway, we, um, these Chinamen come down, and uh, I'd already done two Turkish geezers for trying getting a get on arrow in and trying to get her on the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just straight people. They worked in a fishing chip shop. We knew them from kids. and My mum and dad used to go there.
0: So and you we'll, said done, you already done them. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mean you made them disappear sort of thing?
1: Well, they disappeared. They were like, uh, what happened was, accordingly to everyone, yeah. right, accordingly to everyone, that I went in there with a saw on off, I had rock salt in one barrel, buckshot, and buckshot in the other walked into their little lockout where they fixed cars. The one who was under the car shot him through the fire. Walked into the office, stuck the hot gun to his brother's head and went, if you ain't off the manor in 24 hours, I'm going to put it through your nut. Now, this is what was said, but they was gone in 24 hours. Was they? That's right. handy, isn't it? And people said, I mean, the standing joke was, when I went in the nightclub cut days later, because I didn't, my, all my phone drank, but I didn't drink, and there was a funny guy in there. He was a cheeky sight, but I loved him, because he had a good sense of humour and a very good driver absolutely brilliant for getaway driver and he went all right Bob I went all right Alan he went um we heard the Turks are gone I went yeah so have I, you know he mm-hmm. went we heard you done it for a pack of fish and chips what you would done if they give you a pickled onion everyone burst out laughing and I went I went don't you know be careful and we had a little laugh over it uh-huh. you know and uh, but we cleared it up but when the Chinaman came down that was a different ball game they pulled up in two cars and I knew who they were because they said they're saying something about triads I went this is heavy this is it's not like the gangs where we've bashed each other on and cut each other on a, you know these firm are nasty bits of work mm-hmm. I said get the guns out I said and we go and see them so we met them at Ivory Corner now you've got to imagine this it was like something from the 60s all these Chinamen got out and I'm sitting in an old voxel because we wanted one that if I had to shoot somebody we could crush it up I never drove a nice car to his shooting <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I'm looking at him and I thought I can see he's got something under his coat I didn't worry because i has got a sawn off under mine so I got out and I was, this is true right you know them pilot glasses right he's got t- tinted pilot glasses on he's got a beige overcoat over his shoulders and I couldn't take him serious so I started laughing right it was same from a, like a 60th gangster movie mm-hmm. and I got out and and uh, he went, I went, I'm Bobby Cummings. And he looked me up, quite surprised. And he went, we're coming on here, we're going to sell Halloween, right? I went, you think so? <laughs> he went, yeah, that's what we're going to do, but we'll give you some money. I went, you're not selling that shit on my manor. I went, we don't have it on my manor, right? And he opened up his coat and he's pulled out an axe. Wow. And he went, we chop people up. I went, is that right? flung back the coat, pulled out the saw. I went, I'll blow your fucking head off. I went, how about that? I went, "They oh, get back to Gerard Street or wherever you come from. I went, you come here again, I'm going to shoot you, right? And everyone's going, oh. I went, no, I will shoot you. I will blow your face off. I went, "They oh, get in your car and go, I'm not a good boy. Hmm. So they've gone. Now my friend has gone, she's called to war now. We've got it really on us. They never come back. Never, never come back. So that was sorted. But then i got a bit you got late.
0: lucky there a bit didn't you
1: Phew, not me i mean if they come back but if full scale, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so at this point when you're pulling the gun on this guy yeah was i would have shot him yeah i know you i know yeah. and you you'd, you'd already yeah. shot people yeah had you uh had you killed anyone bill at this point
1: yeah i had done the killing mm. uh, that, that, you know people say i've done a lot but i'll tell you what if someone called flu in that manner it would have been me given it. It was. It got really out of proportion. Right. You know, All right. So was, once people
0: give that reputation to you, yes, yeah. you get the credit for everything. Everything
1: the same. If someone got carved up, Bobby Cummings and that firm done it. If he got hit by a car, even a road traffic accident, I oh, would arranged it.
0: Which sort of helps, but also
2: hinders you in a way because when it does because
1: because the people the old Bill were looking at you, but then the old Bill were weighing it up. Right. I mean, they'd walk in a pub and we'd be sitting there. And something like, might terrible have happened, like a child being abused, or or, you know, someone's a spate of, old, of robberies on old people's homes where they've been beaten. And they'd sit next to us in the pub and be talking about it. And they'd go, you know, we think we're going to have to bring the heavy mob in to sort out this area. It's getting too high on crime rate. Well, that wasn't in our interest. Even if you was a kite, you were doing, you know, selling bent gear or bouncing cheques. We didn't want no one messing up the business. So it was in our interest to find out who was doing it educate them in the back of the van and then let it go away. And, and then, it was in
0: their business as well in a way, wasn't it? Of course. Because you are doing a lot of the well, dirty work.
1: What why do you think they sat in the pub and was, oh, they knew yeah. what we was doing. So you know, there was a little bit and they let us but, get away with that sort of... That's sort of a good relationship in a, in a way. Not really. I mean, they used to walk in and go, hello, Mr. Cummings. And I used to go, yes, hello. And they used to go, we'll get you. I'm going to put you away for 30 years. <laughs> they And I went, you got me on one bank i've got enough guilt in the old bailey because i'm an innocent man i don't do nothing i'm a straight goer you know i'm working a pine strip i had a you know we had a good front pine stripping factory and all right, that sure. and i said you know that i don't know. Front. i said why don't you know why don't you leave us alone we're just trying to earn a crust and he went yeah we know you earn it right so anyway so that was your gen core <laughs> yeah, business yeah you know and i used to look at the old people in the pub every sunday my pal would run the butcher shop like it come to saturday night and i used to go in and say what you got over and we used to get the, the meat over jimmy Carde with a boxer at the fruit stalls so what he had over so we make up a little parcel carry a bag for all the elderly people We used to buy them their first drink in the pub no one took liberties you know if they wanted a little short they could have a little short but we'd buy them their first drink and i mean they even said that the old bailey they said you know we know he was a naughty boy but he wasn't a bad boy you know And I always treated people with respect. You know, I did violence really. I was brought up properly. I didn't do bad manners. You know, and I don't like people with bad manners. You know, there's no need for it. And that's why, you know, we've got the reputation of we're serious, Mm -hmm. but we're not rude people. It
0: it feels like um, the difference between today's generation and, and that generation is like you had class. You know what I mean? You I'd had a like bit the of, thing, you like a bit the of class about yours. So, you
1: know, we always dressed nice. Yeah. I mean, even when I went on armed robberies or, or to Still do, doing it. do the business, I always wore a suit, uh-huh. you know, and we Still all... Still getting from the same guy? Now he's dead, unfortunately. God bless and, and nothing to do with me. But we used to go there. We were, we were dressed smart. The, it used to be funny because you'd walk in a, in a pub or, yeah, mostly pubs, walked in a pub with your girl, girlfriend or your wife and the men had all go one side, and the girls all went the other side. Talking about earrings and God knows what mm. else they talked about. And all the guys were talking about villainy, like someone coming and going. Like I've got these lovely fur coats I've had out of the back of a lorry. So yeah. it would be like trading sessions. Sounds
0: goodfellas-esque, that that, not it? it? Reminds me of the movie. Um, one thing we haven't really covered, yeah. and we don't need any specifics, but yeah. the first time you killed a guy, mm. um, allegedly, uh, allegedly, uh, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. I mean, mm. we for most people, yeah. Like for me personally, if I was to ever kill someone, it would happen uh, in a probably in a street fight. Mm. Most likely, yeah. it, would, it would be a rage, it would be temper, and it would be one of those. Be you start punching someone and you just can't stop yeah, until no. when you start out of it. It's brain break. So like a bin, um, and then afterwards, you know, the guilt and the emotion and all of that comes about. And and for me, someone who isn't uh, isn't wanting to do that and isn't considering a career in that anytime right. soon. Um, it would probably fuck me up for quite a while. Yeah, How did
1: you deal with that? The only time... I always prided myself on clean bits of work. Whatever I'd done, it was cleaned. Right. And it was cleaned, probably. And so innocent people didn't go And the one thing I have to live with for the rest of my life was a robbery that went wrong and someone choked on a gag and died. Now, that was an innocent person. it weren't a villain. Mm-hmm. When we was having our gang warfare's cutting each other and shooting at each other, and some people died, you know... Um, didn't matter. It, was, it wasn't personal. Never, never personal. You was paid to do it or, you know, or you'd done it. So
0: you viewed it as similar to the way a, 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 sol- a soldier would go into war sort of thing. In your yeah, mind, you'd be yeah, yeah. treated as a profession. Live yeah. by this or
1: die by this yeah. or you know? But also, you know, what I say to these the, the young kids today, if once you pick up that and you're known to pick up that, once you go up with a tool, when people come looking for you, they come looking for you for a tool and they're going to come with you with a tool and you're 33 times more likely to be a victim of violent crime than a kid that don't carry one Mm -hmm. I mean I've had bullets put up bullets I've been shot they tried to assassinate me three times driving along we blacked out you know the lights off the car Mm -hmm. and firing it through the window and all that going and like there's loads of rumours put about about me like that Someone got shot through a letterbox because he took a shot at me. You know, three o'clock in the morning, the doorbell rung as he came down the stairs. Someone stuck a gun through a letterbox and shot him in the fire. You know, but straight away, oh, because he took a shot at me, I am i won't make you the guy who's done it. Yeah. Right. When you get shot, please me, it makes your eyes water. Right. It hurts. And so, you know, if you people pay you to do it, and the reason people pay you to do violence is because... What they're asking you for, and this is where a lot of people didn't get it, they're asking you to do their jail sentence, because they ain't got the bottle to do it Mm themselves. So if they go to me, shoot him, I'm going to think, right, if I shoot you, if I don't kill you, if I shoot you, I'm looking at, with my reputation now, probably lifed off, but in them days, I'd be looking at 15 years. How much could I earn in 15 years, right? Even with remission. So to me, everything was business. And it I was, didn't feel
0: nothing it. about it. Yeah. It, I watched one of your interviews. Yeah. And I thought, one thing I found really interesting was the way you said that they would dehumanise the target and say, they, would, they wouldn't describe them as a, as a man with a wife <laughs> and kids. Yeah. They'd say, we've got a rat. If
1: you if you thought about people with family and wives and kids and grandmums and all that, you couldn't do it, yeah. right? So what they do... Quite simply, they go, you're a need for ties to violence anyway. You've done that many of it. It don't matter.
0: You've got to sleep if, every night. You don't, you don't lay awake thinking about right. this.
1: You, you, once you do one, half a dozen ain't too many. I'll put it to you that way, all right? Mm-hmm. So it don't matter whether you're cutting them, shooting them, or whatever you're doing if you're that type of person, all right? So when they come and do now it normally comes, the person won't come to themselves. It normally comes through someone else who knows you because they never meet you, all right? A person who knows them. Now, you've probably known that person for three generations in that family, and you know that if they get nicked, they're not going to roll over on you. All right? So you trust that person. So they go, like, "We want this guy shot in the leg. Now, do not matter if I liked him or didn't like him. If the money was right, I'm going to shoot him. Mm -hmm. But if I started thinking about he's got a wife who's had kids, I'm going to think about that, and I wouldn't be able to do it. So what they do, they they dehumanise that person. They say, look, we've got a rat here. So when you've got a rat, you're not getting rid of a person or hurting a person. What you're getting rid of is vermin, you know? And that's how you look at it. So that's it, the only way you can do it.
2: One thing that strikes me about that is you don't know... Do, do you know the reason that person wants that person shot in the leg? Does that matter to you? Because surely you have your own no, interest no, in No,
1: that. no, no. The, you find out what that person's done. When, when you're... Like, if you're a hitman, you watch, watch that person. You basically stalk them, what they do, where they go, where they drink, who their pals are, because you don't want to be talking to one of their pals who's going to mark their card. Right. Right. So, and then you find a place where you isolate them, and then you can do the execution or hit, as people call it, you know, if you're that type of person. Or if it's an cab job, you know, you, you, you target them. So you know exactly what time, where they go, what they're doing. I mean, some of them, we even went so far, if they're going to really whack you, they'll find out your medical records. Has he got diabetes? Because you can shoot him up with insulin. Or is he a junkie? So you can make it look like an accident. Well, right. I mean, better if you can make it look right. like an accident. No one screaming. Yeah, I've seen you on
0: it, um, a documentary. Yeah. I think it might have been used, a clip of you might have used in the Jill Dando um, That's right. talk. And, yeah. and I, I found it interesting because... Yeah. Um, you were talking about how you can make a, a killing look different to what it, the reality yeah, there's, is.
1: broad. Right, there's two types. There's one that you do that's a public shooting, where you're sending a message out to a firm, a load of people, mm. right? And there's also the execution. By public you
0: mean just in broad daylight? In broad
1: daylight, yeah. right? You drive by with a car, boom, and, and you're gone or a motorcycle because it's easier on a motorcycle if you're that weight, you know. Yeah. I don't like motorcycles, your legs are too big and you get round by a car, Yeah. do lose a leg. So I, I always liked more solid lumps of metal around me. Mm. Um, but you look at it and you think like, what is it? So if it's a public one, it's very rare you're going to kill someone in public. You've got to be a lunatic. Right, but you could do like shooting in the leg or jump out with hatchets and go to work with them with an hatchet as long as you didn't kill them you know put them in the intensive care for a little while and you know give them time to think it over you know but um, then you can have the the one that if you like make it look innocent or do it publicly where you've got to do an execution and like Kirchhoff when he got done with the umbrella the Russians were brilliant and they are brilliant at poisons Right? so different people have different methods but if you're going into that world what you've got to do is you've got to be able to change your modus operandi so if you're known for using a blade you've got to learn how to use a gun and if you're knowing how about a gun you've got to learn how to use poisons and you've got to know how to make bombs now the greatest place to learn all that is in maximum security prison because right. you're in there with terrorists and you, they know how to make bombs mm-hmm. right? and you're in there with drug dealers who tell you a lethal overdose or whatever so you, if you're that way orientated you've got the network to be able to do that but the thing is you've got to live with that and what you've got to live with you might be the most popular person in the crowd you know because you're you're on the firm you're one of the firm but you're the loneliest guy in the world because you don't know if someone's your friend or if they're your enemy whether they're plotting up to have you you don't know why they're
0: around you no
1: no because you might have done too many and someone thinks he's a liability now he's got to go Mm -hmm. so you've got to take that into account also there's reward money right if you've done banks and that sort of thing, where someone his girlfriend says, "Oh, he looks lovely, you he? He's always smart in his suit. You know, they, they've always got money. He gets the ump, picks up the phone, clips the reward. So you're you're, into, you're, you're watching your own people. You're watching the old Bill, you know, and the old nutter who might think, "Well, if I shoot him, I'll get a good reputation." Mm-hmm. or stab him So it's a it's a nightmare world, and you know, other people go to sleep with a dream under their pillow. I went to sleep with a gun under mine. Mm. And you had to worry about petrol bombs coming through your windows. And it weren't... So when people write these stories about, oh, how glamorous it was. And I hate people when they become experts. Like you get these social workers and psychologists and all this shit that they talk (laughs) about, right? And I think, you read a book about my life, right? And then you become an expert on it. Mm. If you want to become an expert on it, come and live my life and do the amount of bird I've done... 13 years in maximum securities where people are getting stabbed to death over an onion, you know, because it makes me you old know, oh, prisons aren't an camp. Fuck knows what holiday camps they go to, but where are they? When they were slashing their wrist hanging there, cell and getting stabbed to death, you know? So it ain't a nice place, and also about the crates, you're living in your toilet in a cell, mm-hmm. right? You're living next to a toilet. Nothing glamorous in that, and it don't smell like Chanel. Right? You're living in your car seat. It starts with a shh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got it in one, right? So you're in there, and you're surrounded by people, especially in maximum security, like Parkhurst, which was Britain's Alcatraz, surrounded by water, and all the most dangerous was put in there. So you're sitting there, and everyone's a potential killer. So it was the most politest place I've ever was in my life. Because if you forgot to say good morning to someone, they'd get paranoid, think you're plotting up on them, and then they'd plot up on you. And the P in prison stood for paranoia. Right? Everyone paranoid.
0: Yeah. When you were describing your lifestyle there about how you didn't know what people were going to do and... Yeah. Obviously the closest... uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I Mm. I know Mm. my dad was mixed up in a lot of shit and he ended up in prison but uh, I didn't live that life but I do... You watch the TV series like The Sopranos, for example, and Ah, see like... Tony's problem, people like that, and how paranoid this is we getting, and you can only that, imagine, really.
1: I tell you, there was one come out, and it was really close home. And I did the thing for an Australia well Spark TV. Mm-hmm. I had to view the film, the uh, Pink Panther, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because they was doing robberies all over. Still are right, doing it all over the place. And they went, "How really did Bobby?" And I tell you what, forget. I don't know, Ocean's Eleven, and that was near near enough, Ocean's Eleven. But forget, you know lock stock and two smoking barrels and all that absolutely i yeah. tell you what I was sitting there on the laughing my head off it's, it's comedy series yeah you know, it's I, a farce in a way I thought to myself are you taking a piss or what you know and I was rolling about and my wife went what are you laughing about I went if only it was like that I went I said no nah. and she went how she said, exactly what you said she said how do you feel when you did that sort of thing for a living yeah. I said to be honest with you I said I didn't feel nothing I'm not a psychopath, I just, I couldn't allow myself to feel anything, otherwise I would have put one in my own head. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing, and I've met some people who've done some pretty bad mm. things to, to people in my life, yeah. and one thing I've learned is it's amazing what people can convince themselves of or allow themselves to live with in order for self-preservation, yeah. but, and well, that's not a dig, it's just you have to do that in order to get through these things. All you've right? got to look
1: at. It is nazi germany Mm. then people in death camps now they were postmen they were milkmen they were bricklayers and then butchering and murdering people in the most horrendous ways by the thousands by the thousands and coming out going home every night and sitting down having their dinner you can condition anyone because don't forget i had to condition my own firm because a lot of them were straight goers and when i got them in there i mean they didn't mind a bit of violence but when we was getting into the organized bit you had to educate them like if you if we're going on a bit of work you can't take a drink we lock up in an hotel no drugs no drink i wouldn't work with them and so you had to if you like very much like a paedophile grooms a child mm-hmm. we're grooming people into a profession and that profession is what's going to earn them money but it's also the profession that could get them killed and what we used to say old saying i used to say to him Cause they used to go oh, you know money and what i used to say, don't forget this one day we're going to get nicked a lot of averages we've got to get nicked because they ain't going to let us take too many liberties they're going to come on us and we're all going to get nicked so if you eat the meal you pick up the bill so don't go crying when you get nicked so hide your money away do it right invest it somewhere don't just drive around in flash cars spunking it up the wall because when you're sitting in that cell and you say to your pals outside, look out, my old woman, they really going to, you know. Because well, <laughs> so, you're going to make the
0: 15 years. <laughs> so that's one thing I find quite interesting is you were a boss of your own crew. Yeah. How psychologically did, did you find that you had to manipulate people and and or was it just as simple as intimidation with these guys?
1: No, no, no. They subscribed to it. What I would do, Brian, I would tell them exactly. I never lied to them. You tell one lie, you've got to tell a thousand to cover that one, and you get sussed out, and they won't have no faith in you. So you tell them exactly what it's about, what the outcomes can be, right? What the rewards are, what the downside... It's like SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So you you go for a SWOT analysis of the business, right? Then if they want to subscribe to it, they can't say, I didn't know, you didn't tell me. All right? No surprises. And also, what we did is when other firms didn't do it but I made sure I'd done it every time we earned money I split it up equal so there was no jealousy no one could say he got more than me he yeah. got more get a bad taste of them out and shop you mm-hmm. so they all got the same so when we got the bird I mean I got the most being the head of the firm and that's where I, I got the um really with the twins with the craze because if you're the governor we had, we had an old saying well you know I made an old saying better one go than all you go so if it comes on top I take it. You get out there earn money and look after me while I'm away. Right? That was my philosophy in my head. Yeah. But when they got nicked, they was trying to get people to take the rap for them. We take the fraud. You take the murders. If you're you know, you're running a firm. The buck stops here. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where you. you so, been.
0: Um how? So the, in terms of the timeline here. Yeah. When you're dealing with the triads and all of like yeah. that, how old would you say you would have been at that point?
1: I was in my twenties. No. Right.
0: And how long? Uh, was it before you did get locked up?
1: Well I got the seven and off for the manslaughter, mm-hmm. went away, I come out. Was with, that was that not far after that, the triad situation? Yeah, yeah. Alright. I come out of there. And, was that when you uh, met the Craze? no, that the second time I met All the right. I met the Craze when I was sixteen in the Old Bailey, they was up for the murders and I was up for the armed robbery with a sawn off. How, oh. be, how old were they at? that well, they they were in their thirties, I mean They, they were, were in their prime there, sort yeah. of thing. And um can you tell us a little bit about Because I know people,
0: there's yeah. there's a mystique about the Craigs, there's something about them, I, I guess it's the fact that they're
1: mm. twins and they were gangsters yeah. and all that, but what were they like? Very well dressed, even in the Old Bailey, you know, I, I didn't know who they was at first, yeah. and uh, they come out of their cells because they was all up on trial for the murders and all mm. that. And we was on in the Old Bailey, the old Old Bailey, mm. and uh, it was Ronnie Craig who went to me, what are you doing here? I went arm robbery. He went, what? I went, with a saw off. And he went, you cheeky little bastard. He went, we'd we'll probably be seeing a lot of you. And I went, you probably will, right? Forgot about it. And the cop of uh, the screws on the landing, he went, you know who that is? He said, that's the Cray twins. You hear the names, but I'd never met them. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know no man. But one thing I will give them and I will never let anyone take it away from them. Um, Ronnie was in Somerset House 3 because he was off his rocker. Mm. He was not a well boy. Reggie was in Parkhurst with us. But when my mum got leukaemia, they'd sent her bouquets of flowers, you know. They had a thing about mums. They looked after, you know, your mum while he was away. You know, if, they, if someone like a family was having an hard time, they'd put a few quid out. Mm. But they never earned no money as villains, really. They was going out every night trying to earn a few quid, where Charlie Richardson was were fortunes. I mean they had mines in South Africa and that's why they was jealous of Charlie, right? Because of the money. He had more money than anyone and they was going to go out every night. Basically robbing thieves as well. If you have done an armed robbery, they'd come on the band and go, like, we want a piece of that action. Um, and I think they had a problem. Like Ronnie was outwardly gay, right? Reggie was a closet. And, right and was marrying people never having sex with them but marrying them for a front yeah that was the rumor about his, his missus and, 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 and
0: there she, was a she, lot of uh strange rumors about her death as yeah well.
1: yeah yeah you know and no one to this day knows whether she did top herself or whether one of them done it uh-huh. but um you know poor girl she got mixed up in hope totally out of she was dead. beautiful as well she was but you know it's hard work because when you've got a girlfriend like i had one really lovely girl come from a really good family and um she didn't know what I'd done to live in. She mm. just knew i dressed very well and had a lot of money. And I was very polite. You know, even Kate Hady, when she met me, she said he's a very gentleman because I pull chairs out for, and I have doors for ladies. You know, mm. I'm, I'm not a rude person. And she said to me, she went, um, you know, how would you earn your money? And I thought, shit, you know, how do I explain to her? You know, how I, She went, because I want to take and meet my mum and dad. She lived in Stoke New England, right? Now we was <laughs> we was putting the arm on publicans over there. Mm-hmm. I was taking money off of them, uh-huh. and this is how it came on top. She got the wind of what we was up to, because um, my poor sister was singing in the pub. She used to like sing for the all the old girls, it was like family pubs. And I walked in there and it all went quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my sister went, "What's it all about?" I went, oh, it's all right. "I saw what I've just come to see the governor, you know, and have a drink." I a mean, bit of lemon, taking the envelope. You know, it was quite nice. But she went, "What do you do for a living?" And I said, "Well, I'm sort of like in banking." And she went, "Oh, you work in a bank?" I went, "Often, yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. I said, "Yeah." And so, <laughs> well, what are you going to say? You know, That's so a tough. One isn't it? So I said, "You know, yeah, I'm, I'm in sort of like the banking business." So I don't know what she said to her parents, but. Of they, the brother used to use the pubs and the family name was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and he said to her, he said, You know, this this family are gangsters. They're all gangsters the family, you know and she went, No he ain't. He works in a bank. He went, Yeah, he does, you know, like he said, Go out with him. And she come out with me. And and she said to me, You don't pay for the mills. I said, We've got an account here. I mean, you, you have to live that life, you mm-hmm. know. You, she's a straight girl, and I really did like her. I didn't even touch her up, you know, I liked her that much, you mm-hmm. know, she's a very respectful girl, and I showed respect. And uh, when it went on, and I'd done the murder and that sort of thing, she thought, fucking hell, because that was all over the place. And then it came out that I'd come out there, and within four weeks of coming out, I'm nicked for Bartley's Banksville's Cottage. Right? Like, <laughs> I've got to not guilty on that because I didn't do it, you know. Of course. Right. And, um, Oh, Bill really had jumped over that, you know, that I got off with of that one, and uh, that's when I was targeted, I think. They thought, no, you're taking the piss now. Uh-huh. And um, when they come after me, and this is what these kids don't understand, they're walking around, they're pulling guns out and waving them about. No, no, no. You've got to have such a low profile that, you know, people don't know what you're doing. They can guess, but they don't know what you're doing, and they don't, the only people who know what you're doing are the people you work with. Mm. And this is what you say about the craze there's lots of these people going who were on the fringes they hear a rumour same as they did with me I mean if you believe half oh, the crap that was said about me I've wiped out half of North London you know it's, it's lunacy mm-hmm. but you know the same as them but what they did the, they, they capitalised to... on it and yeah. they instead of putting down them if, that's why they stayed in jail for 30 years right because they started writing the books they started glamorising it and so what I'm secretary is going to release them not in a million years. The joke used to be in Parker's. When, if a guy was never getting out, they go, go, oh, when's he getting out? And they used to go, to choose the art of the craze. Yeah. You know, it was a standing joke. Uh-huh. They're never getting out. So anyway, we, we're there, and this poor girl, she's she's looking, and it all comes on top. And when I got out, um, they went, you're going to get her back. Because she stopped, you know, she wrote to me all the way through my birth. She was a good one. And um, I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm gonna make them pay for this. They're gonna pay. Because they come in with my parole, and they went, oh, I you put know, your parole thing. I went, come on, stuff it. And they went, well, I went, stuff it. I went, you don't think I want your little bit of paper when you keep an eye on me. I said, you're gonna pay for this. I said, you're gonna pay in cash. I went, you got where I'm coming from. So then I took the governor hostage uh-huh. in, the, in the maximum securities. And they all thought I was in that case, right? Which, you know what? <laughs> you can see what? You can see, I mean, they're making a good case. Yeah, but then you look, you look How at did you take it, the
0: governor hostage?
1: Well, it, those people <coughs> being abused in prison, beaten up in the blocks. And they, they were friends of mine. When you do jail with someone, this is what I'm saying. The only people who know what Charlie Richard done, what Cray's done, what I've done, with the people that either worked with you or the people who've done jail with you. Because when you're in jail, there's no secrets. Yeah. Right? You're living with each other 24-7, 52 days a week. And they know your strengths and weaknesses. And they know the truth about you. So the only people who can say that, the people who've done bird with you, or the people who do work with you, and the people who are doing bird with you are very much like you anyway, so they ain't gonna go right shooting their mouth off, because you could do it on them. So everyone's, it's a very tight knit community. So, you know, you're, you're there, and you're thinking to yourself, right, I've got to, I've got to get out here, I've got to do it. And so when you get out there, you've done all that bird, you know, and they can't go parole, and you go, fuck that. You know, I, I used to say to them, I'm not playing. And they to go. oh, would you, like, will you clean the land or will you work over the mailbag shop? they just go, fuck off. I'm in jail. What are you going to do? Put me in jail? I'm in the block. Right? I have took the governor hostage. That'd be governor hostage. I've created more fucking riots and sit-downs in your jails and you want to meet and sit in front of a parole board and go, I'm a good boy, really. You know, he's taking the piss out of the parole board as well, you know what I mean? Because they're looking at that file and they're going, this guy's totally insane, you know? I mean, I used to exercise the night. They used to, like, when I was under lockdown... They used to have me walking around at the night time, the IRA used to get the same. Me walking around at the night time, and they used to have a screw on each corner and two dog handlers, and no one would talk to you. And then you'd go back to the block, even the canteen. I couldn't go to the canteen. You'd to, to right out what I want, and they'd go and get it from the canteen, and like my dinner in case I attacked anyone. You know, it, it was really crazy.
0: When you got locked up, how did it feel when you. Because I mean, surely you must have thought this might be the last you see the outdoors like.
1: Do you know, this is going to sound weird, right? And I'm not weird, but this is going to sound weird. I mean, right? you're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. You're exceptional in right? sense. No, yeah. no, because you look at what I've done later in my life, right? Anything I do, I do it properly. And I connect myself to it. Right, but, you know, when you're, you're there and you're looking at it, eh? I used to say, I'm not playing. And they go, oh, like, dude, it's not I've done the sit-downs and wound everyone up. Because if I went to a prison, the first thing I did, my utmost to disrupt it, right? So they all had aggravation, and so they come over and they, because I'm coming near to my end of the sentence, and they want to be nice to me now, right? Because they don't know, because I threw buckets of shit over them, everything, you know. So they, they want to. Are they worrying
0: about what you might do when you get out?
1: Well, they're they worried about what I'm going to do now. I mean, if they go on with a black eye and they can go there, why? Yeah, we had a row with Reggie Cray or a group of bad villains. You know, it sounds romantic, but when you've had a bucket of shit thrown over you and your old woman's got to wash the clothes, it ain't too romantic. So yeah. that's why I used to do it with the shit, like loads of it, right over the landing, bounce on the wire and smother them in it. So I'd go on with that on them. So I wasn't very popular with them. Um, so, and they knew it was me, but couldn't prove it because I was a bit cunning because I used to, in them, they just slot buckets. So I'd have two buckets. One we loaded up in the other thing I used to take it with one, have a piss and shit in that because I'm going to do it over the landing on them and everyone hated them so they wanted to do it but um when I took the governor hostage people was getting abused badly Brian down the block being beaten mm-hmm. crap out of. and I pulled him because people people said to me Bobby what's going on out you know he's bang out of order and I had a bit of a reputation for sit downs and all that so I said I'll pull him when he comes in so he's come on the wing I went here come here I want to speak to you even a bigger your And I said, I want to speak to you. I said, come here. So he's come over and I went, look, what's happening down that block? It's bang out of order. I went, and we want him back on the wing. I said, because it he's got to stop. And he went to me, think yourself lucky, ain't you? I went, do what? He said, and I went, you fucking rat. And I grabbed him. There was no talk of hostage, right? There was no talk of hostage. I didn't say I'm taking him hostage, right? Everyone's gathered around all the traps. And an IRA gets a slipped a blade in the end right so I've got a blade he's seen the blade he shattered that he's taking me hostage I think now nah, I'm really in the shit because you're getting the, the heavy mob coming with the shields I thought if I let him go they're gonna kill me oh, yeah. so I've stuck the blade to his throat I went look you know my record you know I've done one yes I went so off doesn't ain't too many I went I could do you I said now you're gonna call these fucking animals off I said, then we're going to sort this out. But I can't let go of him, because I know if I let go of him, I'm gone. So I bring him back to my cell, and it was electric locks in Albany, right? It was made for terrorism, that, that jail. Got him to the door, and I got the wedge, because I cut a little bit of um, line-up out, and you put a wedge in the door. Mm. I turned him around, kicked him up the arse, and shut the door, right? And wedged myself in. So that goes on for a couple of days, and I think they've all wiped their mouth over it took the wedge out of the door. They must have been spying through the window on me. Right? I took the wedge out the door. The door's come through and the screw's lined all up. <laughs> and I'm going on a lay down. And then when I come back, I'm in Parkers. Well, Parkers, they used to, have to abandon abandoned old you into here, you know. And I thought, fucking I <laughs> I've really done it this time, right? And I didn't expect to be there with that mob. And... Uh, <laughs> I thought there were lunatics in here, because the only next stop from and Parkers was Broadmoor, mm. right? And, <laughs> Broadmoor,
0: and, for those who don't know, yeah. is like the worst of the worst, God, it? It's it's well, for, for the lunatics, wasn't uh, it Of basically?
1: course it is. Mm. I mean, you've got people in here who think they're Napoleon, and some of them think they're Jesus Christ and might want to nail you up. I mean, it's that bad, you know? Mm. They're all on medication. I mean, even Reggie Craig, when he was in Parkers, he used to have a thing called Logactyl, They called it liquid cosh, right? Mm others was getting little tots like that he could drink half a cup for the guy
2: Wow,
1: you know and I looked like that and I thought this burning his brain cells away you know but he was like a kid not like a a silly kid he like he was into this thing like he wanted a gang around him all the time and they talked about setting up a mafia in England and people's going he's fucking do that we're earning our own money we didn't want to be involved in organised crime our own organised crime yeah but this, this he'd watch a film and he'd He saw the films like Cosinostra and all that, and he wanted to do that, for real. You've got to be off your rocker if you're thinking that. So anyway, it it happened that we went through, one of my pals got stabbed to death over an onion, argument over an onion, cooking spaghetti bolognese, because we used to cook our own food, because we was always worried about what people was putting in our food. Because you can get a bag of sugar, you should have two bags, one you put on display, and one you'd hide if you took sugar in your tea. Because you'd get someone to grind a light bulb down, put the broken glass in the sugar, and it'd rip your stomach to pieces. Mm-hmm. So there's many ways to kill someone in jail, like the IRA did with the governor. They got a six-inch nail, nailed it down, soaked it in excrement, stabbed him. He thought he'd just got a little puncture wound. Blood poisoning straight away, and he killed him. So there's many ways that if you want to take someone out, even in there, and you can't get away in there. Yeah. It's not as so though you can jump, on a, jump in a car and drive up north or drive. No, you are locked in with serious psychopaths, and also some very clever people. So that's where the respect thing comes in. You're always nice to people.
2: How do you stay sane in that sort of environment? Because well, you sounds like you sounds like you're quite a good read on the situation. Right.
1: Well, 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 it was Charlie Richardson, and that's why I speak so highly of him. You know. He really had a brain and he met you know, you get lunatics in there talking about how you dispose of a body and all that sort of thing. You can't hear that so much or the next job they're going to do when they get out and you look at them and you're thinking you're 60 years of age, you ain't got another life sent- you know, a sentence in you. You'd be lucky if you, you, know, you get out of here and you've got a Zimmer frame. So <laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, you've got to be realistic. It's, it's a nasty little bit Some of Some people just
0: need that sort of Reality. imagination. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you're sitting there and he, he's talking all about mining. We're talking about philosophy and he went to me, you've got a brain. He went, what are you doing? you got a brain. He went, a lot of these in there can't help yourself. You know, we've got people in there who've murdered their kids. There all sorts of crazy people in there. He said, you've got a brain. He went, why don't you use the brain? He said, because if you go out here and do what you're doing again, two ways you're going to end up, well, three ways you're going to end up. He said, either the old bill going to shoot you dead, another firm going to shoot you dead, or you're going to do life imprisonment and never come out. He said, but if you do the education, you can run a business. So I got into the Open University. Right? started studying them best it, was, it was education that liberated me from crime because I thought I can earn money straight you know and when I went in when I went in to see the psychiatrist and he said I think you're one of the most dangerous men in Britain <laughs> he said and uh, you, you, you've got an uh, antisocial behaviour order and all these labels and I thought yeah and you're the same guy who was caught in Parkhurst Woods running around naked with your poodle right and fucking diagnosed yourself like having a breakdown and he was he was meeting people like the Ripper Brady all that fun yeah right fucking nutty he's a fruitcake the guy right yeah. and uh, it was all over a Mars bar he? I like his, he had a Mars bar and, a, uh, and, and an apple on the table and I f- he went there and I thought it was a test you know and I thought to myself being like too much of a thinker I thought if I eat the Mars bar it's sweet and it's all that right but the apple is the garden of Eden right <laughs> And he's looking, seeing if I'm Satan, right? So I thought I'll eat the Mars bar. Right? I didn't know it was his fucking lunch, right? <laughs> no, he's come in. He's gone. What are you doing? You're just, just socio psychopath. Hit the bell and I'm cutting off, and all that, like on the record, and it stayed with me all through my sentence because I his fucking Mars bar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it was a crazy world. Well, please believe me. And I was. I was surrounded by lunatics, Um, you know, it must have affected me badly, made me (laughs) antisocial and all, right, but you sit there and you look what's going on, so you go into the Open University, Mm -hmm. and I really loved it, I've got the learning bug, and I was talking to Charlie more and more, and I went, this is good, and we talk about philosophy, sociology, psychology, you know, that's what I was doing it in but he'd give me books and he used to have an habit he used to cut cuttings out of paper like and, and it would be like the stocks and shares and all that he didn't only do it to me he'd done it with a couple of other people who thought had a brain and uh, we used to have what we call a loon night and me and him and everyone thought me and him was a bit weird a bit sick right because we got the really bizarre nutters in and we used to get them and give them a cup of tea and get them to tell us about their crimes and I said to Charlie I went he's fucking sick but <laughs> And he used to. Go. That was. Can
0: I just say it, everyone watching? You know when people sit and watch like crime documentaries now on Netflix? Netflix They're going That through. was his Netflix. They're going through. Going, do, you want to do stairs? Should, or, should we try the yeah. child killers tonight, or yeah. should we go for yeah. the people who killed their own mothers? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go for episode five but of yeah, child no, killers. Yeah. bring him yeah. back
1: in. But there was one, and they used to come in, and, and Charlie, because he knew them all, he'd been in there longer than me, and he used to go, "You got to listen to this one." <laughs> Right. It's like putting a tape in the tape player and just playing it You bring them in. (laughs) I love that. You've got to listen to this one. And he would go, tell tell Bobby about your really sad story. You know, and the most horrific thing? Like someone's like chopped their mother up and tried to eat them. Really some bizarre stuff. And it was ones that, and I thought, first off, I thought he was winding me up. Mm. And we got this one come in and he went, uh, he said, he needs to borrow a couple of quid because I was a banker. I used to lend the money out in there. And... uh, he said, um, tell Bobby about what happened to you last night. So I went, last night, what's happened last night? He went, well, you've got to lend him a fiver. He said, because they want to go and get a bit of puff, because you know, so I said, well, I'm going to shit what he does, but I want my 10% interest. we used to buy the canteens off them so we live well. And um, he's coming, he's skiing, and this is great okay. He said, well, he said, I'm sitting here for a cup of tea, right? with Charlie at the other end of the table and this lunatic and his mate there and he went an angel come in my cell I went do what he went an angel come in my cell. I went, I said what you want "You take he went no I said well what's this angel look like then he said they had big wings had bronze feet and fire coming out of them I went you're taking a piss you? I said you you having a laugh with me or what and I'm getting a bit angry like I think he's coming he'll come me out of the fire the other lunatic next to me he went no he ain't because I saw it as well Yeah, brilliant and I went, give me five, fiver. <laughs> and Charlie went, that ain't the best one. We've got another one coming. And it, we used to do it on a Thursday night, because it was boring, Thursday. So we used to have Loon Night on a Thursday night. We'd have something to eat, and we'd have the entertainment value. Did they know it was
2: called Loon Night?
1: <laughs> no, no, that was me and Charlie. Yeah, like right. a joke. They used to think that... <laughs> five
0: o'clock every Thursday.
1: Yeah. He used to say, you know, Bobby's studying psychology and sociology, so he'd like to know all the ins and outs. Some of them even booked their debts in, where they'd chop people up and... Put an head in a, in a basket. Deck. And I, Make a
0: deck. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should get them to do our portfolio. For yeah. I tell you, it was, <laughs> it was,
1: it was unbelievable. <laughs> and so that, that sort of thing happened. Uh, and then when I got out of prison, um, no, first of all, I went to, because before you come out of maximum security, you go into a B-Cat and, you know, so they phase you out slowly because you've done a lot of birds. So, and they think you're a little bit nuts anyway. Right, so they send you to these, and i, I got a job as an education orderly so basically I sat in there because I'd cause already caused a riot in this prison so they didn't want no more of it so they gave me a nice little job where I could sit over in education watch all the television and read me books which suited me and i married the prison librarian <laughs> oh was that you must no now no I'm with my Japanese wife now this is my first wife right? oh wow so i married the prison librarian so she said what was she, she like oh she's a beautiful person mm. I couldn't say a bad word against her when we what happened was we we got together she loved my poetry because i write a lot of poetry and that's how i kept my mind romantic going. so yeah, that, i didn't have you down it, for that minute. a lot of it a lot of it was what was happening around me right but i also am a romantic i mean blue night thursday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> this one i call yeah <laughs> so, crazy <laughs> sit in a cell so so we, we sit there and i'll come Ooh. out and it was either go back to London and go back out. I mean, they pulled the car up, I had the Rolls-Royce and all that. Yeah. And then she was outside the door with a little flower dress on, come and live in Kent. And I thought, I'd, I'd already had it in my head. I'd had enough. Because I thought, if I go out there, I'd go, I've got to, I'd go to war with people yeah. and look, go back in there or get shot or whatever, what Charlie said. Or maybe I could do it. So I went with Bert. and I tried to get jobs. I oh, mean, I was packing shelves in Tesco's the night time. I'm yeah, really trying that, to... Me. I trying couldn't to believe go. it
0: after the life you'd had. Yeah, gone from that,
1: to packing shelves. Yeah, but yeah, you know, because when we got a baby on the way, so I thought, no kid of mine is ever going to sit in a visiting room looking at me over there. No, that ain't going to happen in my life. That, was that your first child? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's amazing what, um, you know, having a baby on the way can do for a man, uh, isn't it?
1: It's It was the most beautiful thing that happened in my life, mm-hmm. you know, this little fat baby, and I loved it. Right? <laughs> and... Um, Everywhere. I wouldn't let no-one hold her. I was really over-the-top possessive. Mm-hmm. I was to go, no, oh, I'll carry her for miles, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh sport thought we rotten, really. But mm-hmm. um worked hard. Then I had this mug in Tesco is <laughs> following me around, like with, the, you know, the price guns. And, you know, you've got a 19-year-old kid with a plastic wallet and he thinks he's, like, running the show. He thinks he's, like, Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when I worked... Uh, I worked in a, a Morrison's when I was a kid, and there was, like obviously I was like 16 yeah. and there was 25 year olds yeah. who were like yeah. career heads yeah. 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 and their managers they're were, we're management I'm like yeah. Mm. no offence or nothing to anyone who works more, but I'm like you're a manager of Morrison's you're not you're nothing special not calm, calm the fuck down man. you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean just chill oh, Everything's
2: got to be put on the shelves yeah. don't worry about it that's their own little firm though isn't it Tesco's yeah. got the firm Morrison's got a little firm we're They're gonna all like, do those yeah exactly road. we're gonna do those we're gonna have those guys them. in that fucking Tex-
1: Tesco Express I'll have them yeah, do you I know was what was. I mean our tomatoes are way cheaper and what you said to me he went um, the price gun you know <laughs> and I noticed like I'm a small guy mm. He's giving me the big dog food, all the little birds in there. He's giving them like the crisp, giving me the dog food and all the everything. Oh, yeah. And he went, he came round and like showing off in front of the girls. And he went, um, no, he knows nothing about me because I've, got, oh, a, I've got, I've got, a dodgy, i got dodgy, I've got dodgy CVs because right. I made them up myself so I could get a job. Because I tried getting it straight. I had to tell lies to get a straight job. You right? have no idea So who you I are. opened I opened up loads of these building companies that have gone defunct. Told the people I work for them, and so when they sent the mail out, it was redirected to me because my page pouch used to get in post on me, and I'd write myself a brilliant CV. Mm. I've got the interviews. Like. Um, Incredible yes, amazing yes. reference. So I'm working there with this mug, under a pound of wheat I'm earning, right? Yeah. stacking this dog food. So I'm not the happiest bunny in the world, but I've got a beautiful dog, a lovely wife. So You're I'm trying to do the right thing. I've wiped my mouth that many times, my lips nearly worn out, right? So I'm there like that and he's come round about he went, You've got to learn how to use a prize gun probably. I thought, fucking prize gun, I could show you how to show you with a real thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it went a little bit too <laughs> far. Sold off. Right?
0: Get sold on. Right.
1: <laughs> so it goes bright it goes a little bit too far. It, it almost becomes like a little bit of bullying. So he's walking round and he's gone out in the back warehouse where they had the freezer. And I thought, fuck you, I'm gonna put you in your place. So I've gone out there and I've got him in the freezer, right? And I went, you ever fuck with me? I said, see them hooks there, I'll hang you up there and I'll cut your ass with a butcher's bone in, right? I went, and I'll cut your eyes out while you're looking at me, now you know where I'm coming from, all right, now fucking get off my back, right? And then I left him. Hmm. Next thing I know, all these security guards, he's run up in his office, locked his cell in, all these security guards come. If I don't leave the premises, they're going to call the old bill. Now I've only been out a little while, you know, I've got a baby. Mm. So I've had to leave the premises, gone home to my wife with me little packed lunch. And she went, you're all right, Murley? I thought, I, I think I've got the sack. She mm. went, what happened? I went, oh, a dispute at work, right? Couldn't break her off, wasn't it? So, <laughs> dispute?
0: Right. So, I'll put you on that right? <laughs> and I'll cut your eyes that way you look at me. Right,
1: I say, So, so... You know that brought back the old bad feeling in me. You know what I mean? And I thought I'm trying to go straight. I'm on a mug job, and I'm being intimidated by a mug, right? So I thought, no, I've got to get a better job than this. So I needed to get myself some more better references. So I done that <laughs> again, right? And I wound up getting some good jobs. And in the end, I wound up being a purchasing manager for Van Gill Systems, one of the biggest Dutch companies over in. Are oh, you going by the name Bobby Cummins? Yeah? yeah. Yeah. All right. So when I get there they go no in the in the things it's Robert Cummings I never used Bobby Cummings because I knew now that they had this bloody internet thing where you can check people out <laughs> the last thing yeah. I wanted them to do was try, someone think oh Bobby's a nice guy we would type his name in there and that come up no 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 that was not gonna happen so I get these nice jobs and then it was a probation officer come to me and said um, Bobby you know, you've got powerful jobs now, and you're running your own companies, because I was running different companies at the time, my own companies, all legal, Mm -hmm. wouldn't touch anything bank, because of my little girl. So I'm running that, and uh, he said, will you volunteer to help young kids in trouble? Because you've been there,
0: right? Mm -hmm. And he he
1: was my probation officer, well, the parole officer, in the nick, the last nick I got from, and me and him got on really well. He was there when my mum died, right, so, and he was kind to me, so, you know, I don't forget kindness, you know? So anyway, I do this volunteer thing for SOVA, Associate of, Voluntary, uh, Associate of Voluntary Associates, and I get volunteer of the year, and I said, you give me the ones that no one else can handle,
0: all right? All right, so you to the real kids with issues. Who the were, the kids listen. that,
1: I looked at them, and, and they're beautiful kids, you know, but people filled their head full of nonsense, and they was reading these books, and thinking crime was great. And so I told him the truth, bro, you know? Uh-huh. I said, it ain't that great. If it was any good, please believe me, I'd still be doing it and no I'm not. Right? So I got on well there. Then I thought more about it and it played on my head, you know. And I'm hearing people talking to mums where their kids are going to, you know, going away to young offenders' institutes and all that. And I'm sitting I started up a charity, me and my mate, with six quid in my garage, and we turned it into a national charity. And uh it worked well. I was going into schools, colleges... Is that made No, that, that was a knock. All right. But the thing I'd done wrong, a lot of um, blue rinse, you know, middle-class people come in and the trustees board and all that, and they, I didn't, they wanted to the write policies and all that. I actually wanted to deal with my people. Cause it's, yeah, you it's, wanted to do the... Well, the thing is, Brian, It's my kids that are dying on the streets, mm-hmm. my mothers that are crying in those houses in them slums, and the politicians that are still lying... And that's what I said. I said, my, my kids are crying, the mothers are crying, and politicians still lying and doing nothing about it, Paping it up with people who know nothing about our world. I mean, if you want to live, know about poor people, go and live in a poor area, right? And if you get a politician, I hated the corruption, right? You've got politicians fiddling their expense accounts with duck ponds and all that. Yet, if a mother on a council estate fiddled her benefits to get her kid a pair of shoes, she's doing three months. Mm-hmm. It's
0: they, insane,
1: isn't it? But no, it makes me angry. And mm. I tell you, saying you know, I was in the House of Lords, and this this is one thing that everyone laughs about. I'm in the House of Lords, and the Lord can't now. I was a specialist advisor now, because they've seen what I'm doing. On television. So your
0: charity work's got you in a place where people are now pointing you out as a guy who can be yeah. asked about this. Yeah,
1: and, and I'm doing conferences for the Ministry of Justice. I'm doing motivational speaking, and um, we're packing the house out, right? And people are going, "This this guy doesn't." So this do has
0: transformed very quickly.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I'm up there doing that. So I'll go into, I'm on John, I'm on the House of Commons the Third Select Committee as an, a specialist advisor. Then I do the uh, House of Lords, uh, evidence for education, because I've always pushed, education is liberation. I've always said that, and I want to have kids educated out of slum areas and that sort of thing, right? So I'm there, and I had this law come up, and uh, I couldn't believe it what he said to me. He went, um... Bobby I said yeah what's that he went from where you come from was I'm a piece of shit from where you come from to where you are now this is in the house of Lords. I'm sitting there on this thing and I'm looking at him he said how do you feel I said how do I feel when I feel like you bastard I went I feel really at home he said do you I said yeah I've dealt with gangsters all my life That guy's never spoke Um, to me ever since. Every time he sees me now, he ducks it and goes.
0: Because you know the game, what's really going on.
1: Look, you know, I I said to someone one day, they said, yeah, about gangsters. I said, look, look, there they are, all in the hands of parliament. I went, I've never chopped a kid's hand off to cut rubber out of trees. I've never dealt in slavery. I didn't have people working in the fields cutting sugar down for me, and if they didn't do, put the whip across their back. I said, and I didn't try and sell opium to the Chinese. I went, but all them sitting in there, that's their money. I said, they're all pimps. That's all their money. I went,
0: Let's not even get on to why they went to Iraq at Yes, of course. What, what I
1: mean? Why do they have wars? Who earns money out of wars? Mm. Yeah. Arms dealers. Mm. And instead of, instead of spending money on creation and the National Health Service and all those things of kids, right, they invested in bombs to destroy us. So, what sort of psychopaths you got in there? And they call me a bad guy. I'll tell you what, if we go to webinar, I'm going up with a few of them, I'd look like. Well, here go to me shake hands. but we come in and have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, actually, that's kind of what they did, because they give you an OB.
1: Well, that, <laughs> that was amazing in itself, you know. So how did was, that come about? Well, first off, I was made a Life Fellow at the Royal Society of Arts mm-hmm. and, um, and Commerce, all right? So that was the first letters behind my name. Then, because I promoted the Open University so much, and I did it at Number 10 Downing Street, and I did it throughout prisons, I was awarded an honorary master's at the university, um, honour oh and then we get this letter come through right about the OBE and I thought first um, off to be honest with you George right first off I thought let's cut my pals done a wind up and they take the piss right no this is what I thought right OBE right so Deborah my secretary at the time she went no this is real it's got all the stamps on it. this is a real deal even the envelope has got the stamp on it I said phone them up so she phoned Give up. Give the Queen a ring. Mm-hmm. Right? They, so they phoned up the Chancellor's office, right? And I said to them, look, this is Robert, Bobby Cummings here. I said, I've just had this letter. I said, I think it's a prank. I said, um, about an OBE. And they went, no, you know, we'd like to put you on the New Year's Honours list on 2011. They went, will you accept it? And. They had, Though I think most politicians are bent and I wouldn't give them the time of day, I'm a total royalist. Well,
0: you, you're from yeah. that era as well, aren't you? I'm a
1: total royalist. So I went, yeah, all right. I said, um, of course I'll accept it, you know, great honour. But I'm not allowed to tell anyone, I got this in September, I'm not allowed to tell anyone until it comes out in the New Year's honours list, right? So I've, everyone's sworn to secrecy. We've opened that letter. So I go into my wife. And now I'm married to my wife, Ayumi, the Japanese one. Because when my second daughter died, oh. it messed my head up.
0: And I started, I
1: started it in the bottle. Right. I didn't want nothing to do. I hated everyone. I was so close to going back to what I was. That was the first time in my life. I was so close. I hated everyone. I had a railway god, And I thought, why now? Why me? I'm doing it all right now. Why me now? Why didn't you do this years ago? And what turned me around, Brian, is my little baby was in the little wicker basket oh, yeah. in, in the hospital and I was numb it, it, I'd never known pain like it it brought me to my knees I'd never feared nothing in my life I'd, I'd never felt pain like that Well,
0: that, that's kind of what I pick up from your story sorry yeah. to interrupt you no, I feel like someone who's almost fearless like hard yeah. hard man brought me to my knees Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and I don't mind I cried like a baby you know and I, I couldn't make sense of it. If this makes sense, and mm-hmm. anyone, even if you've had a child die, anyone who says I know how you feel this, absolutely talking nonsense. Because that grief is so personal. No, it's personal to each one of you differently. And, mm-hmm. and so you get. You, it feels like someone's punched you in the chest and ripped your heart out. That's how it feels like. Mm-hmm. So I go through the hospital and I come up the stairs, and I have to go through the intensive care baby unit because the hospital's shut down. Mm-hmm. So I go through there and there's the mums and dads with their little babies. Because I kept saying to my why me, why me, you know? Because mm-hmm. you don't expect it to happen, it happens to other people. It never happens to you. You read it you, in the paper. Yeah. It. And uh, I walk through and I see these, these mums and dads sitting with their little babies, you know, in these cubicle things. And a really weird thing happened. I thought, why not me? I wouldn't wish this on anyone else. I really wouldn't wish it on anyone else. And it seemed like something was lifted. And I go into the chapel and then the priest comes in. And he went, do you want to kneel down and pray? Now the thing is, I could smell booze on his breath. I've got my baby here. And I went, I tell you what, you fuck off or I nail you up like your governor. I went, you got me. I went, I would really hurt you. And he's gone out the door. But I'm sitting here on my own, like with this little, little baby in this thing. And my head completely went, you know. And I come out there and I bought myself a big bottle of brandy. And... I don't know if you've ever tried it. Try to get pissed, and you can't.
0: I think when you're that emotional, you can't. It, yeah, in it my life. The, I mean, I haven't experienced anything yeah. as as bad as what you've just described. But I've had people die, and, and at that point, yeah, yeah, in that much pain, it just you just want to obliterate yourself. That's right. But it
1: don't happen. Yeah. But I went on like that, and it broke up my marriage in the mm-hmm. end. You know, and because um, I went to the funeral, the little white coffin. Lot and many marriages don't survive it, it, that you don't survive it and uh, you weren't a drinker really before that you drank no, bitter lemon drunk bitter lemon before that so I, you no I, I, that's a fib I started drinking well what happened was my dad died and you know, I sat in the hospital with a gun because the police was looking for me and the nurse went we got a photo of you you come in here we're supposed to find the police and I opened up my coat showed a gun I went you call the old bill there's going to be a lot of coppers in the intensive care unit on the slab downstairs I went on me with my dad we ain't going to cause no trouble mm-hmm. and she knew my dad she'd got on well with him so she went well can you put a gown on so you look like a patient you know so, nice. so we sat there with a gun on it and we gowned and then sat there for a couple of days nice. right and then my mum come and she went look you boys ain't had a shave you know you ain't had a bath go home and I'll sit with him and sank in my head. Went, don't leave him, you know, because we sat him and my brother sat there with him. But she kept on, look, go on, have a shower, and um, we come out. And my brother went, "I want a pint." So I said, "All right, go to the pub, have a pint." Got in there, he's having a pint, and my niece came in. She went, "He's gone. The old man's gone." Mm. And that was the first rocking that, that hit me. But it didn't hit me like my daughter hit me. It's a different thing. You're not my, you're supposed to. You're supposed to outlive your
0: dad, yeah, you're, but not not your to, you're not supposed to outlive you know, your and kid. And
1: a lot of people said that to me Brian, you know, I don't expect to bury my baby. Exactly. So that happened. And, and I think that, that really, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I think knowing that pain that brought back my humanity, that made me start caring about what happens to other people's kids, what happens in our community yeah. and all that. It, it definitely done, It was an experience. I didn't want to hurt people anymore. Yeah, so when, uh, when people have died in my
0: life, there was a person I talked to about yeah. this, and they said to me, you can go one of two ways, you either go hard and abrasive, where yeah. you're almost untouchable to anything, yeah. Yeah. or it softens you right up. It's,
1: well, that, that, someone said to me the other day, would you ever kill again? And um, I said, I'd hate to have to do that, but someone obviously attacked my, threatened my family, I said, I would take them and three of theirs. And mm-hmm. he went, what? I said, I would take them and three of theirs. He went, what do you mean by take? I went, well, those in that business know exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to mess with anyone. I said, I live a lovely life. All the people around me are beautiful people. You know, I married my wife, my Japanese wife, you know. I mean, I took her, her son on, he's, uh, he's my son, you know. His that was a, a a roadie, he's a Geordie. Geordie block, that's what I'm saying. My wife is the only Japanese bird who talks with Geordie accent. Mm-hmm. But um, it's where children are concerned, I'm very... I've always been soft with kids anyway. They can get what they want out of me. My daughter, once she went, I told her to go to bed. And um, a couple of my friends was there. Um, you know, there's still... if I think there's always that little bit of the iffy of me. You know, they, if I get cross with people, they take it quite seriously. <laughs> and and um, he, said, he said your dad said go to bed and she went my dad and she went like that now we're talking about an 8 year old kid she went like that the little finger mm-hmm. and Joe went hey, did you see what she just done I went what's that he went she went around my little finger I went yeah I'll make her right and I said it's true you know I never smacked my child I don't, believe, I don't believe in knocking women about I don't believe in beating kids you can reason them with them you know, and there's other ways to chastise someone without violence because it's bullying, whatever you do. You know, mm-hmm. and I do And I've seen so much of it. You know, I've seen people hacked to pieces, killed, murdered, and I don't want to see no more of it. So, just to bring this on from the
0: story, how did you meet your Japanese wife then? That
1: that is a really weird one. That yeah. um, good. I was. Sometimes I get called in. People need to be looked after, and they're not sure if they're going somewhere, and you know it's a bad place. And um, so,
0: you, you do a lot of talking to people. Do you
1: mean? Yeah, I negotiate with people, and um, and I make sure no one gets ripped off, and that sort of thing. Or if people are threatening violence on mm-hmm. someone, it's only having the old reputation because when I go in now, and I say it stops now, because <clears> you don't want me on your doorstep, that normally ends it. You know. So, I'm, I'm quite happy with that, you know. Um, but that's how I, I met her, you know. I was minding someone, and um, I met her. And she was cheeky, I mean, a little bit leery. <laughs> and... Uh,
0: you couldn't be with anyone I, boring, could you? I, I liked her.
1: And, like, we become very good friends. And, and then she was telling me about her husband, and about Kai, and, and that sort of thing. And the pain that they went through. When he lost his dad and she lost her husband. Oh, so you connected on that? I connected on that. Yeah. Both widowers then. And
2: sorry. Both widowers. Yeah,
1: yeah. And well, I wasn't a widower because I had a daughter. Right. And my wife was still alive, and you know there was no tricky business with me and my wife. We played it straight. That's why she's got a big house. Right. <laughs> right. And
2: you still play it straight now?
1: I will play it straight now. Yeah. Way. She's got a big house, right? And they all when we got the divorce, they all went eleven off the house. You know, it's a big house. And they were all shocked and I went, even my solicitor, I went, no, she has the house. My daughter's life don't change, her life don't change. I said, but I want her off the books of my company, because in case I did anything, I didn't want her involved in it. And, um, and so I give her the house. And everyone went, you're mad. It's worth a fortune, that house. And I went, I don't care. I said, you can always get things, you know, but I'm not gonna do, wreck yeah. my daughter's life and her life for a couple of quid. Mm-hmm. And it turned out right for me because I went on and I, I earned more, some more money, and you know I, I look at it this way, you know, you come in this world, and I, this is my philosophy, you come in this world with nothing, yeah, except a name. You go out with it with nothing, except a name. What you do in between that decides the person you are, and I don't want my daughter or my car or any of the kids I love and all the people I love ever walking into a place where someone can say he was a rat right they can never say that so I talked to my Sophie and she went Dad you got a lot of letters of when I got the OBE because you've got to imagine Amy's met me read all this terrible stuff about me and her mum going to her he's a Yakuza he's Yakuza you know <laughs> Japanese gangsters mm-hmm. And she went, No, Mum, he's really a lovely guy. You know, he's kind to us. And because I used to have that come over at Christmas, so they could go up to the grave, their dad's grave, and his dad's grave and lay flowers on it. And they'd come and stay. And I used to fill up big bags of toys for him and all that, you know, do it right for the kids. you know what I mean? Bloody mm. hell, he's lost his dad. I know what it's like to lose. So it was friendship, you know. And then, I don't know, we just got married. I, I, I just said so. I said, Because I'm quite impulsive. And yeah,
0: I said, I identify with that. I
1: said, I said, will you marry me? And she went, well, will you marry me? And she went, well, yeah, I suppose so. And I said, well, we'll get on all right, don't we? I said, you know, I'm a nice person. <laughs> and she went, I don't, I don't know about that. You had to meet my mum. And that's when I met her mum. <clears throat> Loveliest person. Best mother in law I've ever had, her mum. <laughs> I love that. Best mother in law. It helps to have that uh, there, right? Yeah, yeah. No, she's beautiful. <coughs> she died, bless her. I even flew her out of Japan when I heard she was dying of cancer. Oh, really? I flew her out, they was sat by her bed. I didn't go nowhere else. Every morning, me and my wife and my guy was there. Mm-hmm. Every dinner time, we was there, and every night time before she went to sleep, and we'd done that all the time. And she went to me, Go and see the temples. I said, I've seen all that. I ain't coming here to see them. I've come here to see you. And I bought her a doll, a little chi- one with a China face. And she loved this doll, and when she died, she wouldn't let them take it away, You know, we were very close, me and my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and uh, I had the greatest respect for her. And um, and so now, in my life, my daughter said to me, she went, "Daddy, you've got a lot of letters out of your name." I said, "Many years ago, I had a lot of numbers." I said, "But it's a lot <laughs> better with the letters." Yeah. And what What is your
0: life like these days?
1: It's peaceful. It's it's a bit chaotic sometimes, and sometimes I've got loads of money. Sometimes I've got none. Um, it's up. I'm very good at getting money I'm not very good at keeping it right? Yeah, I'll give it away
0: I'm give, identifying with you here. I'll give it away yeah. I mean
1: someone yeah. I'm, a, I mean, I'm not a sucker but like if a kid wants something like, and, and I know their family ain't got it and, I'm, and they're friends with me because you know, I, I don't have friends anymore I'm just an extended family
2: because mm-hmm, right?
1: I'm a good father to all their children and so if they're going oh like, she needs this for school I don't say well, I'll just go and get it Mm-hmm. and uh, if I want to buy a bit of jewellery like they've all got crosses right mm-hmm. every one of them got a cross my jeweller must think I'm a religious crank because I keep getting crosses for the babies when they're born and I always say when I'm not there to protect you you really will you know and mm-hmm. that's how I am so and I never forget their birthdays they never forget to send me on, on Father's Day Godfather card and that mm-hmm. sort of thing I've got very close knit people I don't like lots of people around me Um Paranoid about having too many people close to me, from and that's from the old days because I didn't know if someone was going to stick one in me, you know. So I like I go in my little country pubs. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of dinner. have something to eat. The kids run about, and it's nice for me. And I've got a peaceful life, mm-hmm. you know. And there's no price on that, you know. And that's why it's so important that I turn these kids away. I say to them, look, most take drugs, cause uh, carry tools, right? You're going to wind up in a coffin either way. But if you're going to do that, I ain't telling you not to do it. It's like you not to do it. But you can't say when you're banged up or when you're OD'd, right? I didn't know because I just told you. Mm-hmm. And also, you realise the grief you leave behind. When you're dead, you're gone, right? You're dead, right? You wouldn't believe the grief you leave behind the other side of that coffin that your mother and your father and your people who love you, you wouldn't believe the grief you give them. Do you want to give them that? and also tell them that when you get involved in that business and people come looking for you especially now in our days we had rules but now they kick your front door in and they won't only cut you they cut your mum your dad your little sisters and everyone mm-hmm. it's a different ball game now and so i don't want them doing that when they could be doing something else
0: i've got a couple more questions but on. Um one, one more we'll start with if you didn't get fitted up at the start by the copper yeah do you think you would have gone down the road of crime?
1: To be honest with you, no. I don't. I don't. Because it weren't in my head. Mm. But I would have probably pushed my job to be the best at it. Because <laughs> I, I think it's about little people. You've got to have very big egos to survive, you know. And I've got a massive one. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, my, my ego is seven foot tall and maybe five foot wide, you know. Because I can't just do something. I have to be the best at it. Yeah. I had to push myself to the limit, and um, I respect that. I, th- I think, you know, I would, you know, I would have, I done, I would have done well. Well, look at it now, I, you know, I did well in my own businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I took a six quid charity and turned it into a national charity that was respected. I, I've been to South Africa. I've been to China. Your charity, Ch-
0: world famous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah, and not now it ain't. It's, I read about it. Yeah, yeah. They, they ain't doing nothing. Yeah. You know, all they're doing is trying to get an OBE. I think, but um. <laughs> I look at it and, I, I, like, Japan, Africa, I've done Africa, India. You know, if I'd have told the governor of Parkhurst that I would be travelling the world, right, Ireland, Europe, all over the world, talking about how to reduce crime, right, now, going back to Parkhurst when I was bang at it, mm-hmm. right, <clears throat> and I was going to meet the Queen, and she would give me an OBE, he would have sent me straight over to the psychiatrist and I would have been on the Wally juice, right? Yeah. But I've done all Drumbly. that. Yeah, but I've done all that. And what I say to kids, no matter how bad it gets, right, no matter how bad it gets and no matter what you've done, you can turn it around Mm -hmm. if you want, or you can carry on doing what you're doing. But everyone's got a choice. And sometimes it ain't going to work. You know, sometimes I've tried things and they ain't worked out and I've been gay because I know it would have worked and it would have done right by the kids when I wanted to build that what was it, £280 million I've got investment to build a, a village,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: a training village. Now, there's a company in the Midlands, and this is how this idea can't, it's called Phoenix Training Midlands. Now, they've got the best record for forklift truck driving. Not all kids want to go to university, right? They do all these other training things. They we do
0: actual skills. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. And the, guy is committed. Mm-hmm. the guy's committed. He's Trevor Cox. He's totally committed. Now, he was one of them Angerman Floggin' Brigades. Mm-hmm until he met me, he came to a conference where I was doing the talk and he said, I didn't realise the obstacles ex-offenders are up against. After that, the guy, oh, he's a multi-millionaire, he, he's turned all the business around and he caters for the most disadvantaged people in our country mm-hmm. and he does it properly. He's not there to nick a few quid. He's there to make sure and they have right up so he gets, well, he's getting lots of government contracts now. But that's what you need, not, oh, do, do you need a pair of trainers? Did your mummy smack you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't need that crap. Get out of bed. Do you want a job or what? Do you like a... Well, I'll give you one thing before you know, you know, ask me the next question afterwards. I had a drug dealer in prison. This kid, his father sold, and it weren't puff, it was puff, it weren't every duty, but he sold a bit of puff, right? He goes to children's home. He comes out, he goes back to his dad, same area, back to his dad, sells more puff. Winds up, he's in prison in the end, with three years wrapped around his belt. So I said, Leo I said, what, what, what are you in for? He said, well, you know, I'm in for selling. He said, I don't sell powder. He was really effigy. Right? He went, I only sell God's weed. He was a raster. And I went, is that right? I said, you know when you get your bit of gear? He said, yeah. I said, do you test it to make sure it's, it's not snide? It's good gear. He went, yeah. I said, quality control. I said, when you're looking at selling it, do you find out what area you can get the most out at? He went, yeah. I went, market research. Mm-hmm. I said, and when you're looking at who's going to run it for you, you pick the guy you can trust the most? He said, yeah. I said, distribution networking. I said, you've got all the skills of a manager who's just selling the wrong product, son. Mm-hmm. I said, if you were selling Chanel, you'd be driving a Porsche and the old bill wouldn't keep kicking your door in at 5 o'clock in the morning. I said, you've got all the brains now. that. Now, this is the catch. That was one thing, because I used to do this a lot in different schools and prisons. Mm-hmm. Getting the potential, how can I turn it into a positive one? Yeah. I'm going through Westminster, because I'm going to one of these meetings, the talk shops. you know. We go there one week, we talk about the same shit, how are we going to solve it, and then it goes on for a year and we're all talking, we flat, I, I hate talk shops. <laughs> Gone there, right, because nothing comes out of them, just yeah. bits of paper, right. Going along there, all of a sudden we're bib, 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 look round, there's this van, right. Looked at it, it's him, in the van, with a couple of other geezers. He went, boy, I went, hello, mate, how are you? It's pulled over. He said, get in the van, get in the van. So I went, all right, what's going on? He's got ladders on the top of it, right? So he said, fancy bit of breakfast? I went, yeah. I said, but you're paying, right? So we had a little laugh, you know. I would have paid, but he didn't. He went, no, no. So we go and have this bit of breakfast. Now, he started up his own window cleaning company, took on board what I said. He went and learnt from the bank. I don't know what bank it was, but they taught him how to do books, you know. Mm So he goes and lands off this bank woman, right? Gets, I don't know where they got the first set of ladders from. I don't care. But they're doing the window clean business. He starts building up around. Then he employs the pals come out the neck. So that's another one gone straight. He's working with him. They built up quite a nice... There's three of them, right? When I met him, God knows what he's got now. He went, why, well, he said, do you know what I'm thinking of doing? I said, what's that? Now, this is before this all come out of it. He said, I think of going into car valeting. So he's used that entrepreneurial skill that he had, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. always had, right, for positive things. So it cost, in them days it cost, uh, what was it, 50, 57,400 pounds a year to keep a young man in jail. Not waste security, I'll talk young man in jail, right? Mm-hmm. But he saved this government by them all working, plus he's paying the tax, over 150 or grand a year. At least. At least, now if hmm. I could have built that village, right, I could have taken all these people out of jail Put them into training, training that they wanted to do, not training I was making them do, because you've got you've got to give people choice. Mm-hmm. What's good mm-hmm. for one ain't good for the other, and this is what they've got an habit of doing, Brian. They stick people in little boxes, and they call it key performance uh, key performance indicators, KPIs, KPTs, key performance targets, KPIs was invented by um, nuts in the home office, right? And I used mm-hmm. to say KP nuts, yeah, it's nuts in the home <laughs> office, right. So what you've got to do is look at these kids and think, how can we do it? And there's no good just sitting around talking in talk shops and getting all these people who don't know what they're going through, right? They blame it on, every kid now, you never heard of people with like mental health problems because they don't want to deal with it. Oh, he's hyperactive. No, he's bored to tears because the teacher don't know how to teach him. He's made the school boring. Mm -hmm. The kid, why not have him learn basic maths, basic English, if he wants to go and do bricklaying, plumbing, all that, last year, pull him out of school and put him on a course.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that doesn't go out and It needs to be...
1: It needs to be looked at.
2: Um, It's frustrating, isn't it? Bureaucracy just gets in the way of... No, I'll tell
1: you what. Right, I'll tell you the same, right? Say, for instance... right Now, this is where you're going to think I'm really insane, right?
0: I don't think you're insane,
1: right? Take, for instance, if crime ended tomorrow. If I found a way saying, right, no criminals tomorrow. Judges are out of work. Police are out of work. Solicitors are out of work. Barristers are out of work. Probations out of work. Social workers are out of work. Right? Where's the jobs going to come to fill uh, them it, slots? It,
0: it, it wasn't just you making a living off of
1: crime. Yet, no, it's a, this is what I it's said. This is what I said in the book. Right? I was in the criminal business. I was a gangster. I was in the. I knew how it was working, because I watched what my brief was getting off me. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the biggest robbers I've ever met in me life and legal. <laughs> You know, I'll get you out of this, Bobby. You know, I can help your boy, you know. You're looking at a big one here. I look at him, I think, legal robbery. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's yeah, a racket of, of sorts. Course. It's, in many ways, it's the sim- similar as putting bricks through your windows and then saying before the thing.
1: Well, time. The, the thing is, and the thing is, they're doing a deal with the old bill anyway, trading off. Well,
0: basically, yeah. Yeah, they're trading uh,
1: off. Well, you can have him if you let this one go, yeah. or go easy on that, and there's a few quid. They're all in the swindle. Mm-hmm. Right, so in them days I knew how it was working mm-hmm. so why should I respect them I've met some really good coppers and I've met some really good prison officers and I've met really good judges but I've also met the other ones who ain't, not and they're worse they're equivalent to the, to the criminal enterprise as we want to call it the supergrass. in there them bank coppers are worse than that yeah. because they disgrace all the other ones and they see that warrant card as a Barclay bank card that they can go around cashing in on Mm. Right? Got no respect for them. No respect for them at all. Got respect for the normal copper on the beat. But when you get specialised squads like the robbery squad, the drug squad and all that, they're seeing all us fillers earning a lot of dough and they're thinking, I want some of that. I want a couple of hundred well, on maybe thirty, sixty grand a year. These people are earning that in a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It undermines the whole system, in ain't, ain't going to be too hard to corrupt them, is it?
0: Very easy when you've got oh. as much money as the criminals are making. Well, yeah. so it's just sliding the, around. It's,
1: it's the same as when you're in prison. Yeah. You know, those who ain't got nothing live on the prison rations. Those who are connected and got a few quid, you're eating steak. And mm-hmm. that is fact. Yeah, I've and anyone who's done bird will tell you that. Mm. You know, you have your own, what they call it, your food boat. <laughs> While the others are eating, oh, this is a bit of dodgy meat. We've nicked the best bit of meat out of the kitchen and we're <laughs> eating it. Yeah. And you know,
0: it's like good fellas, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but that's how it works. Um, it's business. Go on, Brian.
0: Yeah, I've just got one more question, unless you agree. Oh, really? uh, I was going to finish on my last question. I guess I was
2: just sort of wondering what it's like to be around other dangerous people or people who are considered to be dangerous. Because the way you describe the craze or um, Charlie, you sound not affectionate towards them, but it
1: sounds very familiar. No, to be honest, yeah, yeah I am affectionate towards them yeah. because I also see their suffering. You bang up... Listen, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I've never banged someone up in a concrete box and tortured them for 30 years. That is sick, right? Nothing's done with them. It's the same as Charlie Bronson. That guy ain't killed no one. You've got paedophiles and rapists getting out before him and they're banging that guy up. If that ain't a crime against humanity, I don't know what it is, he ain't even killed anyone. You know? At least I had. Mm. i Craze had, Charlie hadn't. Charlie got 25 years for GBH. But the real story of that was he was a political prisoner because he bugged Darrell Wilson's office. That's what all that was about. That was a political move. Reading it, go and look through any criminal record, you find me anyone else who got 25 years for GBH. He wasn't even in the country. He was in South Africa.
2: What was it like being in London at that time? Because it sounds a lot like you can't go to... So, for instance, after you'd had your problem with the triads, could you then go to that part of town or would you stay away from those areas?
1: I didn't give a monkey's about anyone.
2: Right.
1: Look, you know, I think what made me so violent was because I'm so little, you know. And so when you're up against nasty big people, right, you've got to have the edge. And nothing greater than edge than having at all. So it makes you more violent... Because you think, I've got to take this person out seriously, otherwise he's going to take me out. And so it's a really vicious circle you're caught up in. And it's so, a
0: of the fittest, isn't it? Yeah.
1: And so like, and you've got to imagine as well, in them days, the ippy thing was coming to me. And so there was a free love, which was quite nice. Um, <laughs> and they was all like, walking around with flowers in their ear. Which meant good, because why they're not out doing villainy and they're all sitting there peace and love i they're getting a few quid. Mm. So you, you know, yeah, you're happy those fuckers are yeah, asleep. Yeah, London yeah.
2: was very different then, though. Like that was, it was very were, different there, to what it is now.
1: There was, I tell you what, there was characters in London like guys who was Kai and there was the there was Angel guys that were all good so, no, everyone goes back to the Angels Angel. Oh, Lovely guys, you know what, man? Really good guys. i met I mean Nick and all. Right, I I
0: I've I've met people who know the Hells Angels very well. I've I used to be a diver with one of the Hells Angels and mm. uh, Didn't describe them the way you have. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no, look Lovely if, guys. if you me- if you messed with him because oh, they, they had
1: their own rules. They, yeah. their chapters and all that and they'd done each other. Look, similar to like we was doing, we were doing yeah. each other. They had their own society, we had ours. But you look at what they're doing. They're running on motorbikes, blood banks, you know. The, the guys, this is what I'm saying. You label someone and everyone goes, that's him. You, how can you know the guy until you've met him? And you've yeah, met to be him? fair,
0: the fella who I was diving with mm. was a really nice guy, to yeah. be fair. I, I suppose it depends on the context that you, you take people in, though, because uh, everyone is capable of bad yeah. things. If you put them in a situation where that's, that's right. what they have to do, that's right.
1: But Everyone is. He was a nice guy. At you, it's like I'm nice to people that are nice to me. So you was nice to him. He was nice to you, and so you respected him. He respected you. People respect. You you, respect know, you me, hear respect the him.
0: reputation of what people have done. Yeah. And I guess the the Hell's Angels, when you hear, there's a great series on a while ago yeah. describing some of the things that they did. Um, I mean, they they were making meth and stuff like yeah. that, from what I remember. Just. Vicious the way they would end people, like I what t- it was nasty. To you
1: saying, I could take you now because when I was out in South Africa, I was in Cape Town because I was meeting the ANC,
0: yeah,
1: right. And because uh, I had to look in their jails, it I was sponsored by a law firm to go out there and yeah. have a look what was going down. But I'm and, and the law firm represented the ANC, so I was out there. And so it was now terrorists, they're now <laughs> I call judges the ANC, right? So I'm staying with i call them my South African family. He was supposed to be a bomber. She was, like, a terrorist. Now she's an I-Court judge, and he's a top human rights lawyer. So I'll stay with him when I go over there. And i go into a shanty town. And we meet people living in concrete, well, metal shacks, really. Yeah. And what happens is you've got the, uh, like, I think it's like from Mexico, places like that, going in there. And they take over their place, do the crystal meth, Right they go in, the, the authorities, they're gone with the gear, but they got the kids addicted to it. You got more AIDS and prostitution out there, young prostitution, because when they're making it, they're looking them up on it. And all the jails are full of these young kids that have been runners for them, done that. And that's why, when you're talking about stuff like that, the heroin crystal meth, you know, that kid don't know what he's doing. You're not just destroying that kid you're destroying the whole of his family, mm. the grief that's left behind. That's why I wouldn't deal in that business. I refuse to deal in it.
2: In, in drugs in general?
1: I, I made a rule. I don't deal in filth. I don't deal in pornography, pimping, people, slavery, and I don't deal in drugs. You knew But I deal a- in gambling, I deal in money lending, and I deal in anything else that's yeah,
2: okay. But, you were, <laughs> you, but you were running alongside a lot of people at that time who were doing- But that's,
1: that's their business. Yeah. Look, in the morning, right, and you know this, Brian, right, when I was working, what I was doing, I used to go up in the morning and I had an angry face and I didn't like the world. I'd go up in the morning, I like me now.
2: Right.
1: I like me now. I couldn't say that to you before. I didn't I didn't give a shit about anything. You know, I really didn't. Mm-hmm. But I actually like me now and I like my life. You've been through quite life. a
0: dramatic change in your life. Yeah. yeah. Being on a, a hell of a ride.
1: Yeah. And it ain't
0: stopped yet. No, thank God, man. Wait, stopped, wait,
2: yeah What's your experience been like? Because you got to travel to all these different countries. Do you see a similar system in each of these countries? Or is say,
1: <coughs> it's much the same everywhere. You've got those who've got those in the middle who want to be the guys at the top. And the poor bugger down the bottom who just wants a meal. Right? So, no, it's no different anywhere. Same so in, in Japan as well? In Japan, it's it's very cunning in Japan because it's... Very kept under wraps. You've got the Yakuza, the Yakuza deal with Yakuza, and you might find out that someone's killed and it's a Yakuza killing. But you could go there, your wife could stand out on the street, right, three o'clock in the morning, no one go near, no one molest her, mm-hmm. right? You don't see the police, they're hidden. Uh, I stood in when I was in Osaka, I stood in it once, one night, and I was thinking, where do I want to go? I want to go and have a drink. Where do I want to go? And I stood there for about five, straight away, old Bill came out and went, are you all right, sir? Did, you know, you lost your, take you back to your hotel. I went, no. to Olivia. Right. i live here, you know, and I'm going to have a drink. Oh, all right. Then, you know, and then they vanish again. They've got um, special coaches on trains for nervous women. Right. Right. You, the, the guard walks along the train with a white glove on, strokes the seat, and if there's dirt on that, the cleaners are on the next, next seat. There's a lot of respect. The kids get up. If you're in there, you're a guest of their country, they get up and they offer you a seat. So even the elderly do that, you know? It's totally, the crime It's sort of non-existent. I mean, there was a big flash on the television out there and I sat in my car, I went, what's all that about? Because if we get a news flash, it's someone murdered someone, act someone up or mm-hmm. it's a big crime thing. He went, it's terrible that. I said, what's that? He went, that guy on there, he said, he got caught smoking drugs in, in college, a joint disgrace the whole of the family the father had to give up his job the and move to a different prefecture because of the shame it brought on the family you could blow someone's head off here <laughs> and still live in the same house and they go well he ain't a bad boy Yeah, you know he's a little bit misguided yeah. no one tends to feel shame here and especially living in
2: Dalston you hear a lot of stories yeah. of people crossing between areas well, there was a
0: girl killed on Thursday stabbed to death in South London
1: mm-hmm. well you look at that one that that young girl out, you know with her little mate there's a bit of gang warfare over a bit of drugs they machine gunned out and killed a dead 15 years of age mm-hmm. Fucking, insane. you know it's crazy you know it's even crazy in my book and nah, I've stuffed I,
0: I must admit like coming from Newcastle to London yeah. even even that is there's a, a big yeah. difference like like, if this isn't... Look, you it's know... It's not a good place to bring a phone. You know,
1: you know up in Geordie Land, right? If you've got the young you're going to wind up having, punching his lights out. It's going to end there. It's going to be, a, like, a bit of punch-up. So no one might get hurt a little bit, but they ain't driving by shooting little 15-year-old girls. That's fucking disgraceful. Isn't you it? know, I'll tell you what, you know, and this is why we cry? I'm glad he's in Japan. I'm glad my daughter don't use my name. She uses her mother's name, her maid, mother's mm-hmm. maiden name. No one knows my daughter... Mm. and we agreed on that because that way if anyone had the aunt with me they can't touch my daughter yeah and if they went near I'd wipe out the whole of their family
0: (laughs) (laughs) alright we'll (laughs) leave it on that shall we mate it's been an absolute pleasure and you and I I thank you for your time today because I think we've uh, I've learned something I like like yourself I like to learn something Um, one last question I'd like to ask you is how would you like to be remembered
1: Um, Take your time. God, that is an hard one, man. Yeah. How would I like? I'd like to be remembered for my humanity and not my brutality. I'd like to be remembered for the good things I've done. But also, that I someone once said to me, "Do you regret the past, what you've done?" And I said, "No, because if if I didn't have done that, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now." I wouldn't have the credibility to be able to do what I do now. But no, I'd like to be remembered for my humanity not my brutality.
0: Fantastic, mate. You've got a book out uh, for those who want to buy it. It'll be probably you'll be able to search it on Amazon. What's it called? I'm Not a Gangster. I'm not a
1: Gangster. And everyone laughs when they read When everybody laughs. I do yeah. laugh that because it's anything. Probably a Gangster. <laughs> yeah. Then. yeah. Um,
0: so we'll it's put the link for that in the description below. If anyone wants to yeah. buy it and get even more of your story, I'm sure that'll the, be in there.
1: The thing is, it's because I bought another book out, Part oh, really? but that's about jail, and the, the best book, because it, with I'm Not a Gangster, it, it shows you how it evolves, right? and how your own children, see, this is why I wanted that in schools, mm-hmm. and, and I wanted mums and dads to read it, because it shows you how your kid can get sucked into that, mm. right? So it's, it's really a book, not about, well it's a book about crime, and there's some vicious stuff in it, mm-hmm. you know, because I have to tell the truth, but really it's a book about redemption, no matter how bad it gets and what you've done. And I say to the kids, you, you can't do it worse than I've done. But look what I've done now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And any kid, and I, you know, if I get one kid, then my life has been worthwhile. Nice one. If I turn one kid away from that life, because I don't want them to have the life I had then. I don't want no kid to have that. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the life I've got now. It's pretty cool. Good for you, mate. Not bad for an old guy, you know, going nah, well done. Plastic tape, and I've got to have my new ones down in the bottom tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good luck for that, mate. It's been there a pleasure. Sure and you, Brian. Um, and you, mate. Um, Yeah, so if you've enjoyed this, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe for more podcasts. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later.